everyone, and welcome to the Gaming Corner Podcast, where we discuss topics that matter to us as gamers. And uh, yeah, I'm your host, Jeff, and today joining me is Daniel, aka Dance Warrior 777. It's great to be back, Jeff. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome, Dan. I'll and, try not to sleep this time. Yeah, hopefully not. Did you do your cardio today? Yes, yes. We are, we should be good to go this time. Excellent, excellent. And we also have Adam. Thanks for coming back on the show again, man. Hello. How was your week? Um, it's been pretty good. Today sucked, but overall it's pretty good. Oh, sorry to hear that, but... And uh, we also have Henry. Hey, Henry. How's it going? Oh, hi. Just Ducky. Just Ducky. Fantastic. Well, guys, it's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to have you guys here. Thanks for joining me for episode two of the Gaming Corner podcast. Uh, Dan, uh, before we actually get started, you were mentioning something. Oh, my Burger King. 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 What's your Burger King story? (laughs) I want to hear this. All right, there. There's technically two stories of things I've walked into Burger King and pulled off. I walked into a Burger King once and I asked for a suicide burger. The person. What is a suicide burger? The person behind the counter said, "Um, that's not a thing." And I looked at my phone. I'm like, "Well, it it is a thing." And here's the ingredients. See those two bacon kings? (laughs) He goes, "Yes." Um, just just combine them. (laughs) So a quadruple bacon burger. It was a six tuplet bacon. Six tuplet, jeez, man. It's a triple. Yeah. How the are you not the... dead currently? Uh, because I ate it probably for two meals. But uh, anyway, but uh, the people Jesus behind Christ. the counter that were making the burger were just reading the list, putting more and more patties on, and the uh, girls in the back were screaming, "This man's gonna die! <laughs> Somebody <laughs> save him!" <laughs> Someone like, with some these... sense, please order for him. <laughs> it was so God, funny. Like horrendous. they have must have, they must have gone through a whole day where they're just looking at the like the readout, the like normal burger, normal burger. Then they get this custom order where they're like burger, 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 burger. Oh God! Someone stop him! <laughs> and the other story was once upon a time I was in the mood for French fries, so I was like, well, I want a large fry, but I don't just want one large fry, because that's just not satisfying. And then I remembered Five Guys, how they just fill the bottom of the bag of fries. Yes, so Five Guys. I went over to Burger King, and I'm like, okay, how much for a bag of fries? And <laughs> how did that end me. up? He stares at me, he's like, sir, we do not have a thing for a bag of fries. So I looked him dead in the face and said, alright, I will pay for four large fries, and you pour them into a bag. Can you make that happen? He looks at me and goes, Right away, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I received. I received what looked like a small animal in a Burger King bag for about. I'm gonna say fifteen dollars. Almost, it's like one block down and almost across the road from where you live. (laughs) They see you coming down that block. They're like, "Close, side out, turn off the lights, turn off the lights." We're closed. We're closed. We're closed. All I've right. received, to oh. be honest, though, I've received so many free cookies from that Burger King because every time I go, the people there can't stop laughing. So they're like, dude, just take like a free cookie, man. You just made my night. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome, too. Like, so, yeah. You've become a okay. legend at that Burger King. Livened up their, their lives a little bit on the on the graveyard shift. Okay. Um, 
All right, so getting back on topic, here we are, episode two of the Gaming Corner podcast. Gentlemen, last time we discussed why do we play video games, and while that was a fun topic to talk about, it did get a little abstract, so that's not going to be the norm for this podcast. Um, It was a good episode to start with, but for the most part, we're going to be talking about some concrete topics uh, that are relevant to us as gamers and specifically adults who play video games that's pretty much going to be the status quo um but yeah getting right into that let's get into our first topic guys uh our comrade chase everyone say hello to chase hi chase is he here is he here no but where are you chase are you in my closet so our, our, our good buddy, our good buddy Chase, suggested topic number one for our discussion. What are the games that we play when we get together? And I'm going to extrapolate this to either in person or online. What are the games we like to play together? Well, I mean, to be honest, Jeff, we all kind of tolerate Smash Bros. Due to how bad you beat us every time. Jeff cheats. That's why. When was the last time we played Smash Bros. together, gentlemen? Black uh, Friday. Bachelor. Black Friday, no, 11 no, months ago. Wait, hey, oh? Almost time. Woo. Yeah, yeah, almost time for Black Friday again. That's exciting. I get to play I mean, games with you guys again. Wait, Wait speaking was... of Smash. Speaking oh. of Smash. Jeffrey. Yeah. Yes? Are you excited Smash. that Steve is the new character for Smash Bros? <laughs> Steve's in Minecraft, gentlemen! Steve's in Minecraft and Super stupid. Smash Bros. Let's go. That's so dumb. It's funny. Like, I really didn't expect that to happen. Just, uh, just to date the episode, the uh, Minecraft Steve was recently announced to be a playable character in Super Smash Brothers. So it's, that's he fun. looks so bonkers. His entire kit just looks. It just looks so very boring. His kit just looks like the Avatar swords. He looks like an Avatar swordsman skin. Does uh, that make any well, sense? The thing that makes Minecraft Steve interesting <laughs> is like he has the ability to place blocks. Uh. And they had they to didn't re- show- <laughs> they had to retool every single stage to be able to place blocks on it. Adam, you know your camera's live, right? <laughs> Adam's very bored of this discussion. Adam, what's a game you like to play when we get together? Huh? I'm not bored. He's no, Adam, bored. I'm seeing like for me the I auto know my camera. camera's live. I'm looking at it. <laughs> Adam, no. <laughs> Adam's either playing with his mustache or popping pimples in his mustache. I'm not sure which the case is. Neither. But I was looking at my nose because there's a hair in it. And I was trying to decide if I could pull it along my like, hair halfway up my nostril and, you know, causing extreme agony. This gentleman is why we use our webcams. We need to see this. No. I don't want to see that. <laughs> I thought you guys weren't even looking at the webcams. So I've got two out. screens, my dude. I've got three. See, I Smash got Bros. is whatever to me. Yes, we, like I don't personally play it, but yes, it's played when we get together quite often. So, Smash Bros., I feel like, is my multiplayer game of choice, but I rarely play multiplayer games with literally anyone. The last time I played any multiplayer game was back in March or maybe April when Animal Crossing came out. Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah. I was kind of, like, forced socialism. to, like... Socialization. Well, it's just also something I don't yearn for, but, you know, that being the case, you guys play a lot of multiplayer together, and let's extrapolate this out. Like, Chase asked, what are the games we play? So it doesn't have to be just video games. I know there's one in particular you guys all very much enjoy playing together. No, we don't. What is that game? Uh, Scrabble. 
definitely Scrabble. Scrabble. I think Dan hit the nail Scrab- on the head there. Scrabble. Adam, what's the actual answer? We're not answering. Uh, <laughs> it's not and Magic the Gathering. I chose Magic oh, the EDH, Gathering. EDH, Elder Dragon, Highlander. Was... Magic but... is a card game that counts. played with your friends. So technically, I do <laughs> play MTG Arena, which is the online, which is the video game. For, and Adam's for actually really scary at it. No, I'm it's not. terrifying. I'm I think, like, I, mean, I, I, they just ended the season. I was like platinum. They have a, they have That's a ranked like system. <laughs> yeah, I know. Jeff, you know every what? multiplayer game has a ranked system. You know on, what? I'm gonna be so lost on this one. Uh, Magic: The Gathering is not in my purview, but gentlemen, how often do you get together to play Magic? We would like to be once a week, but our schedules are currently being. Recalcitrant, but with with the playgroup that I'm currently talking to, which is in the podcast, is ideally once a week, but realistically, it's like once a month. And pretty much. My other playgroup is pretty much once a week. So, but you don't always make it. So, I yeah, I mean, pretty regularly though you do. I I'm there like nine times out of ten, and it's very rare if I have to miss a week. Like uh, this weekend, tomorrow I'm gonna go hang out with some other friends that I haven't seen since Ethan's birthday party. And then Sunday, I'm going to go play Magic with that group for a little bit. So yeah, Henry Henry plays in-person Commander more than we do. Mm-hmm. I prefer in-person Commander. Online's totally plausible, but <laughs> I don't know, it's just, I enjoy the game way more being able to oh, I, I do too. sit with it's people just and play a, that. It's, yeah. just a... it's just convenience, if nothing else, yeah. if we can't do it. Which... Honestly, right. I'm not opposed to doing like an online one at some point too, trying that out again. Because tabletop got working, so yeah, that's one I way to do it. it. Or there's um I could do that in VR. Cockatrice? Hmm? Oh, fuck VR. Uh, Daniel hey. loves VR, and I, I, I understand why. And Adam likes no. my VR too. <laughs> Don't speak for Adam. How dare you? Monster. I mean, he doesn't play games with VR. He just loves the aspect of seeing 3D objects that are technically impossible. Uh, honestly, uh, VR. Uh, I know we're getting <laughs> yeah, off yeah, on a tangent here, but real quick, I, I do like VR, but not because the games are fun. I just like hopping in the hub world and playing around with the markers that draw in 3D and putting stuff on the walls. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking weirdo. I, I, I've been acquiring more games over time. The too. there are very few games that okay. Look, we're gonna put a pin in that. Yeah, another week. We'll talk about VR. That's a whole other discussion. But yes, it games is. that we play while, while we're together, um, yeah, Magic gets played uh, quite a bit. We're we're all avid Magic players. Henry sucked us into that. I mean, oh, that. I mean to be, I was the first one, yeah, because all the boys I worked with, all of them play Magic. So I was like, ah, screw it, I'm gonna learn Magic, and I. Those poor boys. They have to make the most ridiculous rules to have a chance with their decks. Because I whip out mine and they all just start crying. I'm like, what? What's wrong? I know what that deck's gonna do. I mean, it's only mil 20 on turn 3. It's okay. It's fucking vile. You should be shot. (laughs) My gosh. The mil decks nowadays, due to the cacophony. Oh, there's a card magic that you mill, what was it, 8? Someone got one of those card in magic that makes you mill half your deck. Right. Archive trap. Oh, yeah. That's really fun. 
All right, from an Classic. outsider's perspective, okay. I can definitely we're, we're tell. Way off I can definitely here. tell that you guys enjoy playing Magic together. Are there we any other? Play- are there any other big games that you like to play? I mean, technically, if we're talking online, we do play League. League of Legends. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all used to play League. Yeah, League of fucking bullshit. We don't really play it anymore, <laughs> and the re- the rest of us what? don't play it as much. That I used mean, to be I- our big one. Like, I remember spending multiple hours a week, tens of hours sometimes, playing League of Legends during the college days with you guys. Um, Henry was the one that brought us into that one. We mentioned that in the last episode. Um, but you gotta... I see a common theme here. I think Henry might be a problem. Henry might be a problem. (laughs) He introduces us to these bullshit games. I mean, I don't dislike League of Legends, it's just nowadays I have to play it and then, you know... I enjoy watching it competitively more than I enjoy playing it sometimes nowadays. Alright, well, um, there's a couple other multiplayer games that came out recently. Big-time multiplayer games for whatever reason. Um, do you guys play any of those together? Uh, the big ones I'm thinking of are Fortnite, uh, Fall Guys, Uh, and Among Us. Do any of those interest you guys? I don't play any of them, but... I was about to go into, like, full-on epic so, mode, but I want to let these guys talk first. Go ahead, yeah, so, go ahead, Adam and Hen. You little I haven't here. played Fall, Die, or Fall Guys or Among Us. And <laughs> Fall Die! <laughs> I, I have never played, like, Battle Royale Fortnite. I have played, like, the PvE Fortnite. What the game was originally supposed to be for any... Yeah, the, ori- the original Fortnite, which I quite enjoyed, and um, I got through, like, Essentially, the entire campaign there by the end. Yeah, that's and, right, uh, kids. Fortnite wasn't always a battle royale. It wasn't intended to be. It's it just so happened that they had a uh a uh, it, it was a joke. It was literally a, a pr- engine, a, a a game built that didn't need vast um changes to. Uh, yeah, it had all the resources. They were to, just like to okay, make it into a battle royale with minimal. Uh, modifications, so they did, and, and it has paid off for them enormously. Yeah, and as I understand it, that was them chasing the trend that PUBG set, but they just did it better. Well, they was, had all they had they all the fleshed had, out ads assets. They, they had, had everything—a you know, huge art asset profile. <laughs> they had a game well, that wasn't buggy as fuck. Yeah, because that they game had, uh, PUBG was playing at like 15 frames a second on the yeah, Xbox. They had like a well optimized really. game that they could quickly convert into this multiplayer and so they sort of jumped on the train and i think they saw it like at the time because like at the time that they released their battle royale mode i was still playing its its pve mode and working my way through it and it was very much like a like a cool little add-on extra mode that you could do Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it just went like and now that's what everyone thinks of when they hear the name fortnite um, yeah, exactly. Just for anyone who's not aware, including myself, what does PVE stand for? Player versus enemy, or player versus uh, environment? Entity. It's usually yeah, player versus environment. Environment. I, li- versus I like to say player versus entity. Okay. That. <laughs> no, it's player versus environment. It's 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 like Minecraft. You're 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 that's P- playing okay. against the the game itself. I see. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. You're not. Like PvP yep. is is the your opponents are controlled by other well, humans. PVE is 
is you're you're playing against the game like you're not you're wor- I like, actually I always thought you're, it was you're entity. Working, huh. You're working <laughs> specifically it refers to when you are um like a group of people like Doombots, do you remember that in League? Yes, I do remember. That would that. be that would be a PvE mode. You're not fighting people, but you're still it's still a multiplayer game, but you're fighting the environment, not other people. Gotcha. It comes from uh, it comes from like uh, I believe WoW originally, because like there are places where you can and cannot PvP, but you still might have a huge raid against like an, a boss that is you know AI controlled. I mean, PvP. I think you can have PvP aspects in that one though. Yeah, <laughs> but there that's the whole point. There are certain areas mm. and regions and. You, where PvP was possible. And so you had to distinguish it from the PvE. Got it. How about you, Henry? Uh, any of those bigger games, any of those bigger recent games entice you at all? I'm guessing uh, no. I hate, I hate Battle Royales in general. They're just uninteresting. Yeah, I don't like so, them either. The, 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 the new norm for Fortnite's out for me. Uh, Fall Guys, uh, my one friend Steve had me try out a couple games on his PS4 uh, over his place. It was fun, but I not interested. Pretty, pretty, it's pretty flat, to be honest. I mean, it's whatever. They have different <clears throat> game modes. It, it's a party cool. game, is what it is. It's a big party game, which means once when it becomes less popular, it's just going to die because the servers won't be able to find enough people to create a lobby, and then it's just a whole dead I, I, I think it is a product of the times if you will, like, I don't think it would have been so popular if we weren't all essentially staying home a lot more. Uh. Like, it, it, it feels like the sort of game, so, a little bit like Smash, where, like, you're probably going to actually play it, like, with a... You play something like it with, like, a group of, like, like eight or ten friends, like, all sitting around a TV with controllers or something. Like, it feels like a game that would be more like that, something you'd play in person with a group of friends, but it's fully online and works like that, and so because we aren't getting that experience currently, or not very much, because we're, we can't, you know, we're not getting in-person groups of friends nearly as often, I believe, I, I think that has something to do with its, its popularity. Oh, 100%. I mean, Kids are just home now. Well, now that school started back. Yeah, because remember, likely, it's but... it spiked in like summer and stuff when it like uh, took off. Was yeah, just a little while, little while ago, and it, you know, kids are yeah. kids are home and waiting for school and bored to tears, and and so this is something sort of you know fun and. and but we don't see know. much of a longevity for it, huh? No. I I think it'll stick around. I think Henry I think Henry is right is that it's going to when it start like when it starts its decline it's going to go fast cuz it requires such enormous groups of people to be playing that cute that it's like one of its like one of its advantages is it, is it is like a you know it, it's a light really fun kind of fast pace, you know, you're going around and doing it once you die you just kind of you usually just go right into another lobby or whatever. Once there is a, um, like once the number of people that are playing drops down, the queue times will shoot up and that'll kill the pacing. 
Mm-hmm. And it will lose momentum like really fast. Gotcha. And uh, I, I think that I think Henry's right that that's what will. I don't think we're seeing it like fall off a cliff yet, but I think it it you know when it probably it doesn't have like the staying power of something like Fortnite or like especially Minecraft. No, I Fortnite mean, Fortnite the... is the same issue in terms of its battle royale. It's I mean like, I don't know. It's been going for like what two or three years now. Yes, the but... reason why though is because like they're updating it with new things and they're yeah. patching it and making changes to make the game essentially new again. Whereas with Fall Guys, it's like you can add new game modes, new maps, new customization for characters, and that's pretty much it. And it's like, how long are you going to be able to keep making these new game, these new like team oriented party games, or are you just going to make it into more of like? the the race games game modes that they have available for it so like yeah i'm not saying it's it's going to die because of course the developers can always do stuff with it and uh, i was gonna say like fortnite would have the same issue that's why a lot of the other battle royale games that you know sprung up like all sorts of words i'm not going to say around you know when fortnite and battle royale came big all these other game spun off battle royale modes and I mean how many of those are like actually played anymore I'm sure some but We're like a lot of them just can't to... oh, they no. have to they have... Hmm? there's uh, uh Apex Apex is popular still and then um Call of Duty picked up on it yeah, so Call of Duty is a big mm-hmm. one that now has it yep. uh, they have Blackout and Warzone is the Warzone was the last one I think Blackout might be the new one or something yeah, like that yeah I think Blackout is their battle royale isn't it I have no idea. I haven't played it. I haven't even no. looked into it. Yeah, so like it's <laughs> so like there are a lot of modes that have spun off like newer games and everything, but like I but there were a lot that have just sort of they sprung up and they disappeared because they need a certain amount of freshness. Yeah, they need to constantly be updated and they have to keep drawing a pretty large player base to fuel such huge um huge queues. Client base. Yeah. But, I mean, the advantage they have there is that those huge queues are, like, when people die in another one and, like, I don't play Battle Royale, but usually I would say probably 50% of a, you know, 100-man starting will be down to 50 within a minute. Yeah. I mean, uh, relatively quick-paced. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so those fifty will yeah. then like go or at least and start the good not, ones. not those specific fifty, but like they'll jump into another lobby and just try again. Like it, there's no um, like you like there's like you die, you start you start new lobby. So like the actual amount of persisting time, like you're not tying up, you know, a hundred players for a thirty minute game. You're tying up, you know. A small number of players will be there for thirty minutes, but the bulk of that hundred will be chopped off, and they'll go on and start another one. So, like, you but know, yeah, it, as a as a general principle, like battle royales, uh, I can see the merit, but they're not something that any of us are really interested in. Tyler is, but yeah, not us for the podcast. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm gonna move on to you, Dan. Uh, you said you had. Before we wrap up this topic, you said you had some sort of epic point you wanted to make. Oh, what was sad was it was going to be about 
uh, Fortnite because I had been I have watched Fortnite um, through its rise and just sort of it's stagnant right now. I was going to be like full on epic. It's like we were the first, me and Adam, one of the first to enter the world. Me, we, me and Adam, had put so much time into Fortnite, and we were expecting great things. Uh, the fort. The fort building is really good. The only problem that they had sort of doomed themselves from the beginning was they made it so that the game scaled for difficulty. It did not scale for player. So if you were, what was it, power level 75 and you were entering a 70 map, it would think that there are four people trying to do that level 70 map. So you had to burn so many resources as a single player to get one mission done. Yikes. And that oh yeah, that was a huge So they really huge wanted issue. to they really wanted to emphasize the multiplayer for that game. So yeah. this is how they messed right. up horribly. They were trying to increase the amount of people going into it. So what did they do? They tried to incentivize the competitive community to join the cooperative community. So people that have been fighting all people this entire time with people that naturally trust other people. Oh my gosh. What happened next was there was so much scamming happening because people didn't want to actually put an experience into their schematics and level up guns. So they just kept trying to get the best scams and steal everyone else's guns, which of course lowered communication. <laughs> and then... It got to a point that was so bad. This was the funniest play about Fortnite. I could bitch about Fortnite forever, but this is one of the worst telltale signs. They didn't know how to handle griefers that were in the global chat because they just kept saying, we want to do trades. And some of them were genuine and some of them were just out to get people's guns that didn't know what was happening. So the developers, as a, as a quick solution, just got rid of global chat in a multiplayer game. They got rid of the ability to communicate in any shape or form in the multiplayer game. That was their best solution to trying and uh, sort out the community. I'm going to pull an Iron Man and say, not a great plan. <laughs> well, basically what happened is that, yeah, all these people came in and the, PV, the PvE modes are really built that you need... Um, you're gonna need a team there are certain challenges and missions that you're just not getting done with at least another reliable person and there are there's one or two that frankly without four people that are somewhere near the required power level level, it's just it's almost impossible like because because it's not like a like I said, it, it's it scales a PvE for... mode, so like they can just throw enemies at you from so many directions that you can't <laughs> cover them, and without, and then you start burning resources on static defenses and traps and auxiliaries, and they're just not as good <sighs> as a as a similarly leveled player. Right, and Adam. So, do you, re- do you, you know, remember? And those, the day are, in... and like I said, you can sometimes beat the missions by yourself, but there are certain ones where like. You're moving around a lot, and there are times so you don't have time to like lay in, a, you know, an arsenal of traps and like defenses to slow people down. Hmm. So right. one of the more and then of course the community kind of went. Ah! And so that you know, go ahead, Dan. Inter- 
another horrible thing that happened was people like they, they they nuked their community because they put in a competitive group of people that didn't want to go like we're all in this together because they just had spent I don't an entire they're all in this together I sang it on too many times they, that they just musical. spent an entire year killing other people and building to destroy I think Adam remembers this the great the great Picasso siege this was the funniest shit we had ever seen remember this Adam. You and me, you were on uh, heavy construction. I was the forward assault specialist. You know, they gave me a soldier that threw grenades. Assault specialist. So we were like, okay, you know, it's just, it's just simple. Defend this one, like, I think two cores. And Adam had built one of the cores. Solid defense, very standard design. And then we looked over at the other core. And this person full on did the competitive mode. Just throw... Just throw things everywhere, and it will defend the core. L- l- it- l- <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. You knew yeah. the design better. Well, basically, <laughs> there are some really cool tricks you can play in the PvE to like work against the enemy AI. Um, but you also the it's AI not smart. like in smart. it's not like in the PvP mode where like sometimes you're just throwing up walls to block shots. And, like, you're rapidly building to, like, give yourself cover and stuff. You can't do stuff like that because it blocks your sight lines. And then some big, <laughs> nasty PB, PVE monster will come rolling down. And you need, like, a half-mile sight line to empty clips into the sucker. And, like, you can't get... you can't, And then, like, you don't... And then, you, and then, like, you turn around and you try to come to the other side. And it's, like, this nasty maze of stuff, like... Oh my god, I still remember so, the Picasso so like, fight. I could not stop yeah. laughing because to navigate this weird okay, this, we're, I, we're Picasso Anyway, let me finish. To navigate it, you had to go up a ramp, jump sideways, go up another ramp, and then go down a hole and you made it to the other side. No, but what was I, funny I, was, there was no defenses to prevent the enemy from using it! So this guy's beautiful Picasso-esque structure and enemies were just walking straight into the core and exploding. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm okay. not uh, I'm not exactly sure how we uh, got onto mm. a Let big Fortnite rant, but uh, I have like a okay. final point and then we'll, I'll wrap this up and it's it's a very specific point. It has nothing to do with gameplay. They also right. if you have the if you have Fortnite downloaded yeah. As like the the PVE like original game, it also has the entire multiplayer. Oh my god! Blood Royal tacked on, so the yep. thing's like a hundred gigs now, and I it's huge. And I, like I I actually have uninstalled from my computer not because I don't didn't like I still didn't have fun playing it. It's just that I had other games that I wanted to play, and it was taking up like you know mm-hmm. yeah like a ten percent or. That's no, like that we're gonna. Percent of my hard drive for one game. That, it was just... <laughs> yeah, that's a topic that we're gonna touch on a little bit later in the podcast. But yeah, right. so I just wanted to, to point that out and then say, let's get yep. away from Fortnite and all that. Right. That's kind of the sort of games we play. Yep. When, online and stuff, and when we get together, we'll play variety. And we've been known to play like just you know like Scrabble or farm, you know, just tabletop games right. as well if we're all together. So oh, you talk about that, tabletop that, games. That, Basically covers that topic. Let's yeah, I think so. Henry, yeah, I think so. Thanks for your suggestion, Chase. Uh, <laughs> all right, 
Oh, I'm sorry, Fortnite gentlemen. Rants. Slash, you're welcome for this. Uh, I came up with the next couple of topics. So, okay. So we're gonna launch right into it. Let's hop into topic number two, gentlemen. I'm hopping. The next generation of gaming consoles is on the horizon. And there's a lot of news going back and forth, a lot of things people are talking about with the upcoming games, but there's one in particular that particularly gets to me. It's on the Sony side, and Activision started this, but it's going to be $70 for next generation full release games. What do we think of that? What's the deal there? I think... I understand inflammation... Inflammation. Inflation. Thank you. I understand inflation's a thing. I mean, he might understand inflammation but... also. We don't know. <laughs> the Get pain, stung by bees. Inflammation. <laughs> inflation but at its finest. I understand the that in order to keep up with expenses, prices have to go up too. But I feel that in the recreational community, at least the digital recreational community, a lot of the main developers have. Been tr- it's almost as if they're trying to get ahead of inflammation, and they're just they keep going until people stop buying. Man, those darn just- bee stings. <laughs> okay, just 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 so we can put some numbers to this. Uh, how much did was a full release game in twenty ten? Like ten years. Sixty dollars. It's it started what? with. Uh, Yes, it started with uh, Call of Duty on the Xbox 360 in 2005. That's when the $60 increase happened. Well, like, over before the that, last... a full over... release was $50, and then starting in 2005, it was $60, and now in 2020-2021, we're looking at the next jump being $70. <laughs> so, that's... um. That's a pretty big increase. That's almost 20% of an increase in price. And Well, okay, Jeff, before you say anything else, do you want to know what the um, inflation, wa- inflation rate was over the last 10 years going from, uh, we don't have this year, but from essentially 2009 to, to tw- end of 2019? Yes. That 19%. is very... 19%. Okay, so that's actually pretty spot on with uh with the increase in price of games. Hmm. Still, that for me at least that has a pretty big psychological barrier. I already have a hard enough time justifying spending sixty dollars on a game. Uh, seventy dollars is going to be a hard sell for me. What about you guys? Like, do you have a hard time justifying a sixty dollar purchase? Oh wait, this is a little. Henry just made a sixty dollar uh, purchase today. Why don't you tell yeah, us about that, Henry? <laughs> so, like, realistically, if it's something that, like, if it's a franchise that I really enjoy or one for like nostalgia purposes, I'm gonna sit and think about it. But if it's a franchise like the game is Crash Four and uh, it just dropped today, it's like that's an old nostalgia series I greatly enjoy. And it's made by a company who knows their shit for the game and everything, and I want to support them because they they made the Spyro trilogy, so clearly they have like knowledge of like those retro kind of games. Yeah, they know games. what they're doing. And so it's like they I know it's going to be a good game. It's going to be worth sixty bucks. Uh, how many hours am I going to get out of it? I don't know. 
replayability, eh, there's, there's some usually with those types of games, because trying 100% them, you're probably not going to get that with the first shot, and with the amount of time I've put into it so far, it's I'm going to spend a lot of hours in this game, and it's going to be very enjoyable, every bit of it, because new mechanics, new maps, new everything, and it's like, I'm, I'm fine with that. But like, even so, if it's like a AAA title that's just popular... I don't, I don't buy it right away because I'm just like it's gonna go on sale. They're oh, gonna yeah. sell for less later, especially on the particular main... consoles like PlayStation Four, for example. Yeah, or even like uh, if they do PC ports, the like Steam does it all the time. Epic Games gives away like a free game or two every week right now. Like, but really? Wow. Of... Wait, yeah. there's a new one. Like a Hold giveaway, on, I must or, it. or <laughs> like a giveaway, yeah, no, or are you like you just yeah, no, get a it's free yours. game. Like, you get a free game. You get a free game or two every single week with in, Epic Games. Click the buy game and you download it to your account. Costs nothing. Just for having the yep. Epic launcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, yep. that's something. Yeah. So it's like you you don't have to get those games, and there's sales going on all the time. Like Steam has four big sales every year. Yeah. And they're recent, like decently, like spaced out too. So that way, if like there's a big game. Sure, it probably won't happen like within the first year, but if you just wait it out and everything, like within a year or two, it usually drops to like it usually goes on sale for like ten, fifteen bucks cheaper, and then you're back down to paying like the um the forty five, fifty bucks instead of like the sixty dollar price tag if that's what it is. Plus it's holidays too, so people usually have extra cash or get receive gifts of cash and stuff like that to spend, which is usually why games during are released more towards the end of the year for holiday season yeah, black holiday friday season. and christmas yeah. and all that stuff exactly mm-hmm. but to get back onto the topic of the 70 dollars, it it really depends on what game it is because like uh i know a lot of people are excited about like 2077 that one might be like a 70 dollar game release i'm sure it probably which who knows be. Is, mm-hmm. is that and, going to be a platform-specific game, or is that just, like, you know, third-party? It's no, it's supposed to be going to PC. It's supposed to be going to PC. Mm-hmm. So, I because one of my friends is really excited to finally be able to play that when it comes out, and he's looking to build a brand-new PC, highest-end possible, in order to run that game. Because um, mm-hmm. he loves that franchise so much. Which is, like, cool, perfect. They, they're willing to pay it, so they'll definitely make their money in with those people. But it's, like, I don't know, for me, it... Hit or miss, real. It's, oh, but yeah, no, like Crash. I was totally all in right from the get go. I'm gonna buy that game day one. Really want to play it. Love the franchise. Another game like um, Revenant, for example, really popular game. Was high up there for a while. I waited on buying on purchasing it. All of a sudden, Epic has that game for free. I didn't have to pay a penny. Nice. So picked that up, grabbed that, downloaded it, played it for a little bit, and I'm like, this is a fun game, but I'm. I'm glad you didn't it's spend whatever. the money on it. Not that, like, I'm fine with supporting the company and everything. They made a really good game. It's just, I don't know, I, I'm i not, like, super enthused in the game. Like, I, I still haven't played all the way through. It caught my attention for a little bit. I played it. Mechanics are interesting. It's just, I don't know, not a game that I'm going to, like, play hundreds of hours into. Fair enough. Uh, Dan, what do you think of the $70 price coming up? I'm going to approach this in a different sort of angle. No, no angles. Straightforward. Yes or no. Right now. For me, do or die. For me, I have to say no these days because of big games of a big company's reputation, Um, and the reputation uh, is where it's going. 
No to what? Oh. No to wanting it no. to be seventy dollars. No, it doesn't bother you. No, um, I don't want it to be seventy dollars. Okay. Now, question: <laughs> What? What? Not like towards you, Dan, but just in yeah. general. For that seventy dollars, if they added like the thing that I hate about games is you pay the sixty bucks and then you have the the season pass usually for all the DLC and extra content they oh, release that, for yeah, the. That, no, that was the no. point I, I was gonna get to. So, like, that's a so like realistically, you're paying a hundred and twenty dollars for like the the Nothing. entire game essentially. Yeah. Then, uh, or you can wait until they have a bundle pack like a game of the year edition, which has all the DLC and everything for like. 20 bucks more than the original which, base release, so like 80 which, bucks, and it has yeah. all the DLC, all the ga- the base game, and everything like that. If they do that with the $70, where you get the whole game, I'm fine with that. It's the extra fees after that kills it. Yeah. That that was mm-hmm. the point I, I was going to make, like, tangents for all this, is that if it is, like, you pay $70, you get the game, and you get the entire game, and it's a full experience and a playthrough. You know, it's a full campaign, you know, full game or whatever. I'm fine with that. Like, gotta be honest, that, my dude. That's, that's like 2015. That is back in the day, and uh, I miss that. Like, you pay the sixty dollars yeah. for getting the full game. That's not a thing that's happened for a long time now. Well, yeah. that's, that's unless they do the, the game of the year editions, you know. Well, yeah, but usually day one, no. Usually, game of the year edition, I feel, is a last ditch effort to gain profit off a game. That's fine, which is okay. I'd much rather pay like a discounted price of the game of the year edition than having to buy the individual DLCs and stuff like that. Yeah, normally, I, like it's it's just so. I understand why it's the price and everything because they have the development team and it's literally a business. But man, does it suck! Because <laughs> yeah. sometimes oh. they're really disappointing. No, well, yeah. Hang on, just a second. Uh, Adam was trying to make a point before I so rudely interrupted. No, oh, same here. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let, let's go back to Dan. <laughs> let's go back to Dan. Uh, that point yeah, you were making. Here. No, you don't want games to be seventy dollars. <laughs> to be why honest, why? it was not. It was Henry who rudely interrupted me. Yeah, that's that's fine. Let's just, get back just, on your, uh, right. your thought. The main problem with game developers these days is they produce games that are like whoa this is awesome this is beautiful this that was it <laughs> a lot of developers these days are just they churn out what they consider to be the greatest masterpiece and it just flops because it's it's to degree it's kind of bulk produced all they did was just do what people want and they don't have something interesting that's why if you look back at company games, they cost so freaking much, but it's like, look, guys, it's the new Call of Duty. And then to me, it's like, cool, I spent $60 for a pow-pow shoot-shoot. How much that is that? you've already played several times. How much is that game now if I get it on sale? Five bucks. I have a game that's five bucks that is just as enjoyable as this. What's the difference between this one? Oh, you could do more things with your pow-pow shoot-shoot. Cool. Sold. I cool, and what's funny was the, that is the, one of the few reasons why this year, I think this year, the year before, I think it was the year before for you, Jeff. It was your year, the year before, twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Indie Big developers, indie developers beat the living cow out of major companies because major companies are like, well, this is the formula that works. Oh, you're Whereas talking about companies, games that I liked in twenty eighteen. I'm sorry, I'm thinking about like my normal life. 
Well, you know, that's think, gross. No think of Hollow Knight. That, think of Shuffle Knight. <laughs> Those games came out before 2018. True, but a We're lot of pretend like they didn't for argument's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but indie developers these days are just destroying it because Dude, they're, they're like, what, a new. They're like, look, new concept. The artwork could be complete shit. Quality could be complete shit, but it's a solid, solid game. So and when you get that ten dollar game, it's not only that two hour storyline. It's the fact that you want to go back and see it five more times because of how enjoyable the experience was. So that is officially, for $10, 12 hours of entertainment. Whereas these games these days, these games where they're just trying to grind out and make them longer by just, you know, oh, side quest where you just do the same thing you've been doing, but you do it with a smile. <laughs> make them longer though that's the thing and there's like there's one you can beat the main story in like four or five hours and there's a couple of points i want to make on that but one thing that really piqued my interest dan is when you were saying that they add dlc to these indie games one thing that makes the indie games different than these bigger triple a games is when they make dlc or updates they're absolutely free and that is a very appealing model to uh <laughs> That's a very appealing model to us. Like when you have Activision or someone that is making a $60 game that is meh, and then you pay for all these microtransactions for all these additions and stuff, that's where they're getting their revenue. These indie companies are adding value to their game for no charge to the player. And you want to know what's what's really funny about that? When they do a free update, they're what's technically that? When they add that free update, the developers have actually gained a ton of profit because they've increased their reputation, which in turn makes people talk about them more. Uh, going, I, I, don't, I don't think that quite like it, it increases the value. Of the, it increases the value of the game, which I'm sure gets more eyes on it. But it 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 doesn't really benefit their their um they, you know bottom line. They've essentially spent an enormous amount of money. Right, there's a lot of development costs that come out with you know, the, come up with the DLC. Um, people are putting in a lot of work. So. Some games that I've seen capitalize on that, like Yacht Club Games, it continues to update Shovel Knight. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you spent, how much was the game originally? Twenty bucks, fifteen bucks. However much you spent on the About game that, originally, yeah. if you bought it back then, these updates are yours are free. But if you go to buy Shovel Knight now, it's forty dollars. And I think that that makes sense. Like that's the game, a fair deal. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a model that works because the uh, gamers already invested in the product when it was young and fledgling, mm-hmm. uh, so they get to they get to play the game for free as a kind of prize for being there to uh, at the get go. But if you want to invest in the game later when it has more value, you got to pay for that value. That makes sense to me. Um, but yeah. Um. That's something I do like about the indies is that their pricing model is a lot more consumer friendly, at least from my perspective. And the bigger companies are saying, you know, this this project took us nine times out of ten, took us four years. So it should be worth a four years worth of development for this game. Whereas, whereas indie literally look at their game and go, I could beat this probably an hour. I'm going to say probably well, 10 bucks. I, I don't think so, because there enjoyment. are a lot of indie developers that, like, baby a game for, like, 10 years to get the thing out of development to a place that they like it. Like, 
a lot of mm-hmm. these games are labors of love. And yeah. to be brutally honest, they're probably not making what they put into it. Like, if they were working a, you know, stable nine to five job over and put the same amount of hours in over that time frame, heck, even discounting the overtime they'd be paid, because you know some of them are like, Mm-hmm. punching you know 12 hour days they just working on this game because that's what they want to do um even discounting the overtime they're not going to make as much as is their time was worth to be put into this like that's true these indies are working on these as more of a passion project rather than to turn no, a profit not, not all these indie developers are like that some of them well, are more like yeah. companies and have, have more things but i'm just saying there are a lot of games like that where that are clearly labors of love more than you know, and <clears throat> one of the, the ones video. I can think of, it's not an indie game, it's a fan remake, uh, AM2R, the uh, mm. fan remake of Metroid 2. They put 8 to 10 years into that that project, they worked on it forever, and when it came out, no charge, just download it. It was a completely just passion project. And, of course, they couldn't make any money on it because it's on a Nintendo IP. That's not, like, they can't... If they made money on it, that's, that's like, yeah. suable category. <clears throat> but still... They, they, they'd have to, if they wanted to sell it, they'd have to reach a deal with Nintendo for the IP. They'd probably yeah. cut. Meanwhile, Nintendo was they making their cut. own remake and wanted to sell it, so they struck it down the day it came out. But the game came out, and once something's on the internet... It's always on the internet. <laughs> anyway, uh, I feel like we've gotten a little off topic. Um, the I I <laughs> love talking going. about the indie games. I love what indies are doing for the for the um for this gaming landscape. But the seventy dollar games in question, it started with Activision, and you want to know what? I, well, I don't know if it was Activision, but it started with a game that should not be seventy dollars. You'll understand when I tell you what it is. Can you take a wild guess? What was the first? Um, Minecraft. No. It's Minecraft. It's not Star Minecraft. Wars. It's not Minecraft Star Wars. Indie. Good try. NBA uh, 2K21. Ew, gross. They can fucking have it. That is going to be a $70 game. That was the first one to set the trend. And I don't know if this I hate is... sports games. And I don't... Yeah, and there's like... The big draw of that one is you can see the individual sweat beads on the guy. Who no no cares? shrinking horse testicles? Yeah, no, like they oh. don't even have that. Dang. What's the point? That just ruins the game. If so, they don't have that uh, fucking mechanic in every game forward like, now. But it sounds like Sony at least. I don't know if this is actual actually something I might be mistaken on this, but I heard that Sony is going to be charging seventy dollars for their major releases next year. And what was <sighs> the game you're talking about? NBA 2K21 oh, is the yeah. first okay, one that set the yes, trend. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you, like, that's just greedy. Like, you, the last few sports games that have come out have just been, you know, complete no... Sports games. It's just their sports well, games. It's not that. It's that they've been very scummy. Like, they all they do is put out, like, maybe a little bit nicer graphics. Some of them don't even have roster changes, but... Like they put out this next iteration that comes out for sixty dollars. Now it's going to be seventy, 
and there's no reason for it. Like, there's no work put into the... Well, that's a lie. There was work put into them, but not enough to <laughs> warrant a $60 game every single year. There's just not enough improvements, not enough changes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was a sports game, no less NBA 2K, that is starting this trend with $70, I don't feel like that's deserved. Especially when they're putting in so many microtransactions, some of them straight up casinos. Oh, yes. Like, oh yeah, I you you remember the great debate that caused a whole government issue with uh, there um, were a few but... Battlefront Two, Star yeah, Wars Battlefront Two, yes, that whole essentially not just not not just any loot boxes, the worst kind of loot boxes, pay to basically pay to win. Loot yeah. boxes. Yeah, they're not even just game. cosmetics. They're for exactly. Yeah, which is what started the whole cosmetic trend. And they're like, "Oh, you want to, you know, spend things away?" Like in Fortnite, where they're like, "Hey, you know, you want to do loot boxes? Well, this is not important to level progression, so you know, have at it." But then later on, people were just, "Oh my gosh!" Because the PVE. Loot boxes are what get you your schematics for better guns, better designs, better characters, higher levels. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's a big thing. And that's because... on top of the $60 price tag that they originally paid for it. Mm-hmm. I think here's here's my big problem with the $70 I... games, right? I There needs Adam to be $70 made... worth of game. Adam made a very good point, <laughs> is that games... In 2005, started being $60. Now they're going up, but the inflation over that time has roughly been equivalent, so it's essentially like there's not really an upcharge. My problem is, like, these games are going to cost $70, and, like, the majority of them, to Henry's point, may be worth it for a group of people. Like, Ghost of Tsushima came out recently, and I would have... Like, I saw $60 for that game, I thought, yeah, absolutely fair a lot of these games do not justify even the 60 dollar price tag and unfortunately like unfortunately 70 dollars just makes like exacerbates that in my mind adam you wanted to make a point yeah to what you were saying i have a couple of points you're still waiting to get out of me but um because i have a couple of examples i've actually had like steam open and i've been Googling stuff here in the side where you guys have been talking to get some... some Alright, let's get some actual data on the table. Let's get, well, let's it's see not this. like data, just some... You know, for my example, so I have, like, you know... So I, I can remember the numbers. numbers. Um, but to, to your point, yeah. the po- Like, as I was saying, if you're, if you're paying $70 and that's the game, and you now have the game and yeah they might update it and change it a little bit and fix it after release because that's how it works now and that's a whole nother discussion yeah we'll, um, we'll get to that at some point yeah um you know if, if it was you know you, you pay 70 dollars and i have the game and it's you know finished it's complete it's it is an it's a game i'm going to play however many hours and complete it or you know that's fine and, and you know that's that's like i said like that's with inflation what it you know costs to put put these games out you know like you know cost of you know inflation goes up cost of living goes up people have to you know spend time making these games you know and so to pay them for the time that the price of the game has to creep up over time that's you know, just basics but 
a lot of these $70 games are like $70, then you need the battle pass, then you're like, then they're trying to get you to buy all, all this stuff that's extra with microtransactions in game. Yeah. And before you've known it, you've dumped like 200 or more dollars on this thing, and you're like, and it's, and at that point, it's like, okay, no, no, no. Like, at that, like, I don't personally do that. Like, I draw the line very hard at that kind of stuff. And, like, they're just trying to milk it for money, it feels like, at that point. And yeah. so, like, at that point, like, when you think about, like, League of Legends, the game is free to play. The only mm-hmm. thing you can buy are cosmetics. Yeah, they have, a, they have a good monetary can, sort of system you can buy in place, characters if you really want them you quickly you can unlock but more characters but you'll unlock them just over know, time over Don't, time yeah no and stress. like none yeah. of it is anything that's going to make you better at the game if anything yeah. those those pricier characters are harder to play so you have yeah. to be good to play them Fra- frankly you, you can be like high diamond master you you can be like near challenger you can be almost challenger just playing Annie, if you're very good at the game, and then when she's Yasuo a, tries to get she's fancy, one of the entry level characters. Yeah, you get her mm-hmm. for free when you start. But bottom line is, like, that's a good monetary strategy. Um, like, that yeah, that isn't, one like, like doesn't offend me. And in fact, I often like every couple years because I do play League a lot. I will spend some money on it just for a cosmetic or something. Just because and. I I never do that. Like I never spend money on games like that. But I do it because I enjoy playing the game. I've put God knows how many hundreds, like more than a thousand hours. I know into the game. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm fine spending a little money on, on some of their cosmetics or some of their stuff. Like I'm, you know, I, it's despite all the you know we talk about it the controversy. Oh, I hate it. I love it. I don't like. Whatever I've spent so much time in it, like I like I'm not at all upset with, yeah. with mm-hmm. like I'm I'm willing to spend money sometimes when I see something, uh, just because you know the game was free to begin with. So I mean I'm willing to to spend a little money there sometimes. No, I'm not gonna, I don't spend a ton. I put it like ten twenty bucks in it, but like you know I, like that's the thing. And, and as for a couple other models, like when we were talking about indie developers, I thought of it's uh, they're called Rube Entertainment. But they I'm spent, not familiar. Yeah, they're the they're the company that made Factorio. That's oh, okay. It. But you know, you've heard me talk about Factorio. They made it, and they put this thing into like beta release so people could try it. <sighs> Almost ten years ago. Wow. Um, not ten, six, seven years ago, something like that. But a long time. Multiple ago. They've years. Been working wow. on it for a long time. And here, here's what they did. They, um. So, like, there was released, and you, you could pay so much for it, and, um, and it, it was early access on Steam or beta or whatever. For a while, it was just beta, and then it, like, made its big early access release on Steam. It stayed for, like, four or five years, but they had this thing going on called a uh, FFF. It was Friday Factorio Facts or something like that. And every Friday, one of the developers would post on something they'd work on. They'd have some pictures. They'd talk about some of the coding they were doing to, like, work on this thing and the other thing. And every Friday, there were 300 of them when they went when they went to full release a couple months ago. And they said, okay, we're done for now. We're going to take a break. This is a good place to wrap off the Friday Factorio Facts. But it became a thing where, like, they'd be like, oh, we have to do Friday Factorio Facts. What have we been working on this week? It became, like, an actual, like, organizational tool for them. Like, 
like I have to get this for Friday Factorio facts like like you know uh, and it became like a thing to sort of like as a company for them to keep themselves sort of focused like every week they were giving a development report like a, what are we working on this week what are we doing and they were sharing this with openly in the community and um they went to full release and the game is amazing I love this thing they have tuned it and it's it's so much fun to play um this is by I've beaten the game. Four, five times now, and I'm going around on the new release on a super hard difficulty for like a six or seven patch. Just because okay. Um, I I enjoy, I enjoy this game, and so I paid one price for it a while ago, and they did increase the price at one point on Steam. And, okay. But it's always been that price, but they put ten. So that's like a labor of love type thing, where like they really wanted to make this specific game, and the company right. has grown out of it because the game was popular. And so that was like model A. Did you want to say something, Joe? It, I, I uh, was trying to get you to go on to model B. What's model B? Yeah, I was just about to. And so the other model I wanted to just like briefly discuss was was Paradox Interactive. And I know that they're sometimes a little um, it's a familiar name, but what was the game interesting. that you were talking about? The Grand Strategy is what they do. Um, oh, okay. This part mm. they have other games, but I really and I have a couple of the others and. and but I mostly enjoyed their grand strategy. It's specifically their grand strategy model. I don't remember when Crusader Kings 2 came out, but... It has to be 10 years ago. And it's a 10-year-old game. And they just came out with CK3. Okay? Okay. And, like, CK2 was... Like a $30, $40 game. I can't... At the time. Like, it's... it's I don't know what it is now. But every six months to a year, they'd release a new expansion. And that expansion would have free content and then what the expansion added. And so if you bought the base game and no expansions right now, I don't know if it's possible, I think you might have bundled and, and they might have bundled some stuff together and changed it. They've had some pretty huge overhauls over the years. Um, but, uh, but basically, if if you bought the base game with none of the expansion content, it would still be a vastly better, massively expanded game. Now, there's a ton of content it does add to have um, the expansions tacked onto it, and so I get the expansions. They're usually not terrible. They're they're usually ten to fifteen dollars for an expansion. They're different games are slightly different price. The new ones are a little more expensive. Um, and usually if I, if I'm not playing the game at that moment, like I want that expansion or I'll wait, they'll go on sale for like 50% off. But like, so the total game, if you buying the whole thing in one chunk is a 10 year old game and it's vast and it has more content than I've put over. Let me just get the number for CK2 because it's, it's, it is my most played game. Um, 1,183 hours. That's many. Yes. Chump change. So, it's, uh, it's my, well, ex- excluding, um, it's one of my most, it, it is my, mo- like, excluding League of Legends, where I don't have, like, the number handy. Like, I'm pretty sure I played that more. But, like, it's one of my most played games. I've got a couple games in the thousand hour range that I've, I've put that kind of time to do. But, like, that game, if you bought it now, not on sale, would be close, would be like $100 for all the exp- all of the gameplay expansions and the base game. Okay. There would be like $100 for the game. 
with all of its content in it and understand that they and like they also release very regular dev diaries i think it's a week or every other week on what they're changing on the stuff they're working on and so like they constantly work on these games they're constantly getting overhauled and, and getting getting better and they move to ck3 because they're they've moved the engine it's it's a 10 years of on the line they're moving to a new engine to underlie it all right that's why they, they changed it over but but the point i was trying to say is like in this one ck2 is like a 50 dollar game it's like 45 or 50 dollars but you can buy um like a 75 dollar version which has like the soundtrack but which is whatever but it has the first expansion which isn't released out you'll get it for free when it comes out and the first two cosmetic expansions will also you'll get for free when they come out okay great and so you're um, getting a, a, a deal on their price if you buy them ahead of time for the new game but the point and then they also do have like i said the command cosmetic expansions which i usually don't bother with um that they released for extra money as well but like that's a different model and it's not yes it is dlc but it's not like about it's like six months or every year there's new dlc it adds very clear features and huge overarching expansions to the game like one of them added like 200 more years of playable time and all of the year data to like support that in the game they right the point is like I'm, I will pay for that. I have paid for that. And I continue to pay for those because I can, it's not like they're trying to milk me for cosmetics or anything. I don't, if I don't want the cosmetics, I don't buy them. And they're just there. And who cares? But like, they, like, I can see the effort put into that game. And so I'm willing to pay for it. Is, is that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what's becoming more abundantly clear to come back to the main topic, um, What's becoming more clear is that it's not just as simple as a $10 increase. I mean, it is for the base game, but that's the important stipulation, base, base. game. There, yeah. We're not in the 1990s anymore. You, uh, The gaming <laughs> landscape is very much uh, you know, modernized, and there are more ways to monetize. This $70, uh, well, it's a $10 increase in price, likely... I don't want to speak for all of us, but I'm going to for just a second. This um this ten dollar increase likely isn't going to change our buying habits because ultimately there's there's a lot more to consider in buying a game, not just the ten dollar increase. And mm -hmm. and there's a lot more to talk on about the monetary uh structures of games, but I think we're gonna have to save that for another time. But before we move on <laughs> to the next topic are there any other off-the-cuff ideas you guys wanted to talk about regarding this $10 increase? I did increase? want to kind of uh, put an analogy in place. Just, a, just like, a real quick ones, by the way. Like, yeah, no, this is just a quick analogy here is that, like, if it was, like, the $70 all-access pass, like, into an amusement park, like, get the little bracelet, you can ride all the rides, you spend the whole day on it, I'm, I'm fine. But it feels like now it's like a $70 cover cost to get into the club. You still need to buy your drinks and like everything yeah. else is extra. And yeah. so it's like. And know, I think I want to talk about that more in depth uh, in another podcast, maybe yeah. in the next episode. But so that's um, why like the, the pricing thing is weird. Like, like right now, just for the example, CK3, you could buy the game as is, which from what I've seen, I've been trying not to watch too much content on it because I'm resisting the temptation to buy it really hard um uh for the moment 
uh, mostly because I don't think I don't think my computer would necessarily run it like butter. Um, and so, I mean, your laptop's like eight years old now. That's to be expected. Yeah, my laptop and needs is eight years old. A lot so of it's a, it's a low... maintenance. No, it isn't. I maintain it. I, I mean, it requires maintenance to, be... to run. Yeah, I I put a lot of maintenance on it, and I worry that it won't run the game like super smooth. I don't have a ton of hard drive space, so there's there's incidental concerns. Otherwise, I probably would already have bought it. So I'm like, you know, like I I don't want to put the temptation platter in front of me so much. But like, it's gotten very good use. You have a fully functional game that has learned a lot of the lessons from CK2. So like changes they made four years into CK2, everyone's like, thank God, finally that makes so much more sense. They've already instituted. CK2 is sort of distilled down like the best stuff from CK3 is distilled down the best stuff from 10 years of CK2 and modernized it, you know, kind of brought it all together, put it on a new engine, pretty it up a little bit, and, you know, and then okay. added, and then because they went to a new engine, they can add more features. But, um, but it's a complete game. Like, you pay the 50 bucks now, it's a complete game, and you can play the entire game, you can spend hundreds of hours in it. You know, playing told you know playthrough after playthrough after playthrough with all these different factions and countries or whatever, as is, and that's what's, and the DLC will come later and add new stuff on. But it's not like a battle pass where it's like, okay, I bought the game, I'm going in, I probably need to have the battle pass right now too. And it's just like, it's mm-hmm. it's like, so like if it's seventy dollars asterisk, and then you're gonna need to put down the battle pass, then probably spend some money here. Then it's not really. Like, is it really $70? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And I so honestly it, think that asterisk is going to apply to most games, if not all games, going into the next generation. That's just always going to be a given. Unfortunately, there's always going to be that asterisk. So, yeah. Ba- basically, I'm saying $70 on the box. If it's a, if it's a complete game, uh, sure. Like, that's with inflation. Tacking ten dollars on the, you know, five the you know, what twenty percent of the money you actually need to spend on the game, just feels egregious in that case. Yeah. Well, what about you, Dan? Any other last minute thoughts you want to discuss before moving on to the next topic? Well, Jeff, I think at the end of the day, the best way to describe it is: Are we getting, are we getting value out of the money we're spending? And what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think we are with a $70 game? Let me get this. You know what? Actually, actually, you know what? Let me rescind that question. That is far too broad a question that can't possibly apply to all games. Well, it also depends on what you value in a game. I guess, I guess sort of the way to ask, to kind of get the question that Jeff was asking is, um, how, how can this... well, is let me let me ask it this game way: game that is being released is like the average game worth the seventy dollars. So, like, if you picked a game, uh, you know, you wouldn't, but you pick a game at random, at you know, you uh, are you going to get seventy dollars worth of content on average? So, like, if you picked a bunch, would you feel oh, like yeah, overall? I feel like. Like this game, wow! I probably would have paid more. It's fantastic, and this one I was probably not as good. Like, is it like the bar? Like the price you pay is moving up, and so 
like is this is that justified the, in the average game in the average game exactly if if it's like no if this game was 60 i probably would have bought it now it's 70 and so like the is the price moving up basically like pushing the bar up so like only the bet you'll only buy like the the cream of the crop games like more and more being pushed under it, it, i think that was the kind of what your question was going like is that kind is of it moving the needle <laughs> in that way Today on questions that you get more complicated. <laughs> but here's a good example, in my opinion. Breath of the Wild. Was that yep. game worth its money? In my mind, absolutely. Okay, now we go to something like... Um, Call of Duty. Is that worth money? Is that worth the money... The price it See, has. that's that's probably not the right question to ask this group because none of us like. I'm gonna approach it from an objective standpoint, though. I'm gonna go ahead and give that a hard no. Yeah, I'd give it a hard no, a hard no too. But like, not just all... from my perspective, but you know, like, it, taking it into consideration what they added to the game, like this is an iterative mm-hmm. release. Is it worth that sixty next year, seventy dollars? No, I don't think so. And what's funny is. Probably in the amount of this content in a game, some of the newer Call of Duties have a ton of content. But <laughs> at the same time, you're spending $60 for something that consists of one thing primarily. It, we look at Breath of the Wild, and there's exploration, there's combat, there's adventure, there's collecting. And there's sort of a lot of just investment into it. In Call of Duty, it's pretty singular in what it is. But then we go to games like, was Hollow Knight worth its price? Uh, yeah. Would you have paid more for Hollow Knight? I think I would have. I, I mean, I bought it twice, so I'm going to go ahead and give it a yes. <laughs> I completely forgot you bought it for the Switch when it came out. Dude, well, first first off, that <laughs> game was $15. <laughs> Absolutely worth the price. So, so, yeah, in that case, you're saying great value for money. You're like, I like Wonderful this game. value. I like I, it so much. I bought much, it twice. And... I want it on this other console, too, and I'll pay you to, to get it on and, the and other console. And it wasn't console. on sale or anything. I bought it for the full $15 both times. It is no doubt in my mind worth the money. But here's here's something else I want to say just real quick. The examples that you're bringing up, Dan, I don't know if it's so much a question of, you know, is the value in the game uh, worth the value you're paying for, like you're saying with the singular experience with Call of Duty. Well, for, now- for me, what makes it more interesting is the fact that both Breath of the Wild and Hollow Knight brought something new to the table. And Call of okay. Duty doesn't really do that as much, and a lot of these games don't. True. Which, at the same time, these are triple A games run by huge groups of people. Yeah, they are, and, and the they're, production they're costs must be extremely sh- high. Yes, and because be- they have executives with executive assistants and assistants to the executive assistants. Yes, but have- just the general manpower, too. Like, a lot of these games have hundreds, sometimes over a thousand people working on the project. All those man hours, that's incredibly expensive. I think that's why they charge so much money for these games. 
plus all that corporate overstructure too. I mean, like, yeah, they charge a lot of money for all the manpower they're putting in, but also that's not where all the money's going either. So, right. so let me let me take this in a slightly there. different direction, just because it will hit a different point. Yoshi's mm-hmm. Wooly World. Was it worth the money for you, Jeff? Because I me, know yes. this hits. Um, this hits a very interesting. It, topic. it helps that it wasn't a full sixty dollar release. I believe it was fifty dollars when it first came out. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was thirty. I no, did not think it was a fifty dollar fi- game. <laughs> what? <laughs> for you, I understand. It's I'm, worth I, it. For let me, me go ahead and let me go ahead and like explain myself there that game absolutely love it i don't know if anybody here listening has gone and seen my top 10 yoshi games but if you haven't it's on the yoshi fanatic book uh if you haven't i rank yoshi's woolly world very high i think it is a very Mm -hmm. good quality game but if i look at it from a not yoshi fanatic perspective (laughs) not his name essentially it's um (laughs) It's a game that I think has good value, but would have been better as a. Mm, I, for, uh, it, Sentimental uh, there's value. There's so many factors here, but you're not getting a ton of time out of it. There's not a ton of replay value. Uh, it's essentially a Yoshi's Island sized game. Mm-hmm. Can that fly in 2015 when it was released? It's complicated. Well, I, well, let's look at let's look at sales then. How about that? Let's see how well it did. Do you have the number? I'm looking it up. Uh, I love how I said Yoshi's Woolly World sales, and it's not bringing me up. The game sold sales. 1.56 million units. One point solid. That's that's, that's relatively that's... solid. Uh, right, but if com- you want to add in Poochie and Yoshi's Woolly World, which is the 3DS um, port, that was 0.55 million, which brings the entire total up to just about two, 2.10, uh, 2.1 million units. 2.11 million, yeah. That's... Respectable. It's, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. So it, this is a game where, for you, the money was worth it for the sentimental value, but... Not only the sentimental value, there's a lot of gameplay things I really liked in it, but yeah, uh, to me it has that value. Right. I think Yoshi's Woolly World, I think, lost because of the aesthetic they went for. I I know what they were going for. What do you mean lost? In what way did it lose? Uh, I feel like it was targeting a younger audience. Yeah, all most Yoshi games do. All of the Yoshi games do pretty much. But- Whoshi! It's a double Yoshi explosion. <laughs> Ew, that just sounded gross. That, that was that was literally an ad in one of the Yoshi's Woolly World commercials. Oh, that's they painful. Need to never say that ever again. Again, no. It needs to die. I mean, merger to the fire. It was very clearly targeted on on a younger audience, so that that game is maybe a little. But I'm I'm sorry, I'm interrupting too much, Daniel. You can finish your point. Rude. There's a lot of factors that make Yoshi's Woolly World because I I would say the majority of people that play games these days are now older teen and uh, young adult is a huge 
demographic. If I look at the age group of people that play video games. Yeah, what was what was the demographic before that? Uh, well, are we, are we talking? It, it would have been. Go ahead. Um, adults. Oh, the oh, that's largest inter, internet video audience for mobile. Oh, that's mobile video audience. So you're talking video games. for? I think you, I feel like you're talking for the main demographic for just video games as a whole, and that is mm-hmm. like one of the largest demographics is adult males. Yeah, the, the, the but, age has, has come up, but also note that most are still targeted at not all of them, and, and not the ones we normally play, but there's a huge chunk that are still targeted at, like, teens, at, at, you know, yeah. that, that age group. Because but this is, a, this is another topic that... Um, you have money with your free time. Yeah, this is another topic that we want to talk about in the future, but go ahead and wrap up your point, Dan. Let's see... Huh? Almost fifty per almost about fifty fifty percent are thirty and younger. Oh, that means fifty percent are thirty and older. Continue, anyway, roll on, <clears throat> move on. That Yoshi's Woolly World wasn't. Hmm. My my point is sl- slightly slipping due to my brain going <laughs> and my constant interruptions. I'm sorry for that. Oh no, it's it's fine. I do constant interruptions too. Uh, when it comes to Yoshi's Woolly World, for you it has sentimental value. So for you, you felt like you got your money's worth. But for the average, but it, I wouldn't say it wouldn't have done well in the market just because it didn't target uh, the group that you know research has said that if you just hit the 30s around-ish area for a game, it will be. You know, it'll do fine, and it'll do great. Now, this was a AAA game made by Nintendo. And Nintendo's made a lot of other games that have done really well. Um, things like Splatoon. Splatoon has done well, and a lot of people say it's, you know, well worth your money. But some people don't like the PvP scene, so they feel it can be too aggressive, so it's not worth your money. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, is $70 worth it for a game? In my opinion, no. It comes down to content and investment in the game so that people like you, you bought <laughs> you bought Hollow Knight twice. Thought about buying it a third time. <laughs> I respect it. In which, yeah, the game was worth its money, but because of the fact of how much they've invested in it, I feel it just it keeps producing even more than what it's worth. And a lot of the triple A's they keep targeting the big audiences, but they don't invest in their games. They're very carbon cut, this is what works. And they produce the game. Like the difference in quality as <laughs> I waddle over between two games I don't even know who the publisher is of this one, but Titanfall two and then Isn't that later. EA? I, th- I think it is EA. How'd you say it? But the Titanfall 2 project versus... I don't know to hear to Call of Duty. I think that's also EA. Who owns, who owns Call of Duty? Activision. I... I don't know why because I know of that. The, because of the combat and the fighting style in Titanfall 2, I think it's 
innately, innately, a more interestingly well-made game that's worth the amount I spent for it. I think I spent. But what's funny is, for me, it was worth it when it was $30, when it was $40. Would I spend 60 on it? No, because older games have the same fascination, mechanics, and love for the world. And that's that also brings me up to the argument of the console wars, why I think they're kind of dumb, because they just keep upgrading the console. Yeah, we'll, not... we'll come back to the Ugh. consoles. That's another topic for another day. Really, really is. We're drifting here. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's. I think that's a good thought, Dan. Thanks for. Thanks for that. Um, thanks for Henry. Do you have any parting thoughts before we move on to the next topic? Uh, my one friend's general rule when buying video games: if you get a dollar per hour of the game, then it's pretty much worth it. Seventy bucks. I don't know if you're gonna get seventy hours worth of gameplay out of it, depending on what the replay value is. So might be a tough sell with that philosophy, but typically that's why I wait for games to go on sale anyways, because I know I won't get a dollar per hour of gameplay out of most games nowadays. Yeah, I. That's true. I feel that for the most part. You know, you know what's gonna be funny, Hen? Like, I, I, I doubt Mm -hmm. I'll remember, but like, it'd be funny if we could like put a pin in that, and in. 30 years? Say 30 years. You come back and ask him if he's still if he's still on that dollar an hour system. Because... Oh, at that, at that point he's probably going, oh, you know, I played these games that I've, you know, I've put 400 hours into 600 well, hours. I don't play any you know, new games. That's not, that's not the point here. Is What I'm saying is that um, as prices like, rise, would it still yeah, be well, worth yeah. it? Well, yeah. Is it gonna? Is his rule gonna adjust for inflation, or is it always gonna be a dollar per hour? And the games have to provide more and more content for their increasing, and more uh, and more hours of content for increasing price. Which you know, there's an argument there. It's just an interesting. Um, oh yeah, I, I know where well, you're going with this, Adam. You know, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and save this in our back pocket, though. But, yeah, for, uh, yeah, for I, um another topic for another day yeah but henry uh, you're you're gonna bring that around to a centralized point on that one uh nope that that was it my dude i was i was gonna say i I thought that a dollar per hour was a a really nice metric for a game It, it just in terms of a way of of sort of relating the cost to like other forms of entertainment that you might partake in and especially if we go back to the 1980s. And, and accounting for the fact that if, if this is a console game, you have to buy the relevant console. You know, if it's on your if it's on your computer, that gets a little vaguer because you know, you're probably using other things. But like that that was the I thought I thought the dollar per hour made a very nice wrap up. Is like yeah, it's an easy metric to measure a game's worth. Uh, I I think it has some inherent problems, but again, we're gonna we're gonna come How back to it. We'll come back around to that in a different episode. Maybe the next one. Um, but so next question. I yes. think we want to go to four here and we'll shove three to next time. Yes, we're going to shove three to next time or another time. So, gentlemen, this is the <laughs> this is the big topic that I wanted to talk about. It, I mean, it turned into the $70 games was the big topic. But the one that I really wanted to talk about is Stole that from Steam players. games have changed a lot over... Over the last however many years, four decades, millennia, um, five th- score. There have been a, 
four or five decades worth of gaming. Games have changed a lot. We well, went from physical cartridges. Well, we're you know, talking what? video I, games here. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and put a stipulation on this. Uh, games as a format, like the format in which we consume games, has changed a lot. They used to be cartridge only. Well, not even before that. They used to be. Like the Game and Watches used to be just one machine for one game. Then I, I think on. this conversation want to use the term video game specifically because you know humanity. Yes, video games, games have changed for... a yes, lot. Yes. Uh, yes, they started with a. Uh, I don't know if they started with the Game and Watch, but that was a pri- uh, primitive format, uh, one game per console. Move on to Atari, you can plug different games in, and for a while that was a standard. In, uh, the PlayStation One introduced discs, still physical media. We get to the Xbox and PlayStation, uh, Xbox 360, PlayStation 3. We start seeing downloads become a bigger thing. And recently, so we've gone from physical to downloaded. There's been a lot of overlap over the years, but the point is, I think we're starting to see another shift in format. And that's game streaming. We've seen Xbox Game Pass. We've seen Google Stadia. We've seen uh, Amazon recently just came out with their own game streaming service. So the question I want to ask of you guys, are streaming services the future for gaming? (sighs) And do we see that as being a negative, positive, uh, from Adam's disgruntled uh, uh, grunt? It seems that he's not pleased. Adam, what uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I guess to answer your question, I see it as a pretty big negative. Because it's like, you still have your, what, Super Nintendo? And the, I do. Cart- the cartridges that go in it, and you still play them? Yep. Like, if, if that had been a streaming service game or something like that, you... you if the streaming service had went away or it was no longer available or it would just be gone, like you would no longer own the, the yeah. So, you know, I I was actually premeditating this a little bit. Uh, so to get to the point that you were talking about, right here, I've got my console, my Nintendo sixty four cartridge of Yoshi's Story. I had to. I'm an, I'm the Yoshi guy, so. I've got my physical cartridge for Yoshi's Story. I can pop this into my N64 and play it whenever I want to. This is a physical game cartridge. If I had downloaded the game, say, hypothetically speaking, if the Nintendo 64, for example, had a download service, or, heck, let's extrapolate this to the Wii and the Wii U. Those are actual downloaded... Like, I could have downloaded Yoshi's Story onto my Wii or Wii U. I did on my Wii U. That downloaded game, I can only go back and re-download it as long as the service is still available, the eShop. But if I still have it on my console, I can keep it on there forever. It's just, it's possible that could go away. Streaming services, I don't have that innate sense of ownership. I don't own the game. I don't even own a license to play the game. I'm just paying the service to play the game, and as soon as I stop paying the service, I lose access to the game. I don't own anything. Um, I want to go a little bit further into that. What do you guys think of that? There's so, n- no sense of ownership, but 
I do see some positives, and I want to get into those. But I want to get your off-the-cuff thoughts first. I mean... Yeah, go ahead. With, with new games, you technically don't own them, even if you do have technically a full physical copy of it. You're technically paying to use their software for video games. So... Realistically, if you do something that's offensive or whatever, and there's some type of like, I suppose like online type of things, or even like your console, theoretically they could like blacklist you from being able to operate that physical game Yikes. with newer consoles. Older games you can't do that, obviously, because they're not networked or whatever. But if you do like single player games and everything, yeah, you'll get away with that and everything. And then there's like firmware updates on the physical div- uh, disc that you get. That'll update the uh, software on the physical um, console and everything like that. So that'll keep it up to date with like security holes and stuff like that. But we don't technically own games, even if we purchase physical copies. We are just purchasing the rights to use the software that the game is. Interesting. That's like what new games are. Because um... like the the terms of use that new games give us like right at the beginning like crash 4 i literally signed like essentially a contract agreeing to their terms of use to be able to play their game really that's what that is now yeah that's what games are so if you don't abide to that they can blacklist you from playing that even if you put the disc in your system if if you do it in some form or fashion that is malicious intent that they don't like absolutely i did not know that was a thing yeah interesting Hmm. but once again if your console's offline they can't do shit because obviously they can't interact with it in any form or fashion but then you're not likely to end up breaking the contract I mean uh, I don't know what all that legality bullshit entails in there for breaking the agreement also so it's like who knows but you don't own anything with newer stuff now it's basically Mm -hmm all digital essentially because they could all interact with it unless you're offline in which case they can't interact with it or do any type of things to it blah 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 so okay but that's my two cents on that all right what about you dan what are your two cents uh two cents on learning that the anyone could just stop anything (laughs) in a matter of seconds oh you know it feels a little like big brother can't stop me from playing this yoshi story I have exactly. the cartridge. Can't do that. Yeah, that's <laughs> the older consoles. Break the cartridge. <laughs> they make a digital version of it. <laughs> um, that'd be a cool no. like. Oh, that'd be a cool thing for like a sort of like a post-apocalyptic video game world. I mean, dude, I want to see it, that now. It's sort of the reason why I re- like kind of to touch back on the old topic. Like some of these games were like. You buy them, and there's, like, a four- or five-hour solo player campaign, so, like, the bulk of your hours playing it, provided you're getting anywhere near, like, the dollar-per-hour mark, is going to be online, like, with other people. Mm -hmm. A lot of those games are via servers, so it's really just as long as they'll keep the servers up to to let you play them. It's not like, you know, there are older games where you, you... play with people online but you're not server matched you're direct connecting your two computers to play the game right but that trans that transcends the format that you're playing it at that applies to whether you're playing it physical digital or streaming uh i'm i'm asking if the streaming 
well, format yeah, is. Yeah, well, I'm, try- I'm trying to say is that there are some games where it, it doesn't matter if you stream them, really, because essentially, like, there's nothing for you to keep, like, you're going to have to play it online through a server anyway, and so, what, you know, because that's the way being, you know. So you stumble play. into the same problem, well, similar problems, right, with the format of streaming as opposed to, say you bought uh, Fortnite on the Switch, downloaded it, it's on your, it's on your Switch, um, but if, if the servers go down, you can't really play it anymore. It's kind of a similar problem with streaming, except, well, there's more problems with streaming. Um, one thing in particular, well, you know what? Let's go well, ahead and go ahead. You wanted I was to say? say uh, I was going to say maybe we should point out some of the advantages of, of streaming services before. Yeah. Advantage number one that I've been premeditating on is the value, and that depends on the service that you're going for. But the premier uh, example of valuable game streaming service in my mind right now is Xbox Game Pass. That you pay a monthly fee, right? I think for the most expensive one is 30 bucks, but like the baseline is 15 or something. $15 a month. You have access to 200 games, and they're not just like little throwaway games these are 200 of the big games that are on xbox's platform including many of their exclusive games gears of war 5 is available on xbox game pass and if you pay that that uh value at the beginning if you're paying for the service you can download the game or stream it either one and play it no other costs involved uh, and you can do that with any of the 200 games on the platform. You could stream all 200 of them for that $15 a month. If you are playing games a lot, you can get insane value out of that service. That's advantage number one to me. Number two advantage, and this was actually brought up in um, in the uh, earlier in the podcast, is storage. If you're streaming a video game, that game is not running on your hardware. It's running at the server centers. It's the data centers that the game is streaming from that's running on their thing. You don't store anything, except for maybe a launcher of some kind. The game is not on your platform. As a result, you could probably get away with a very low-capacity console or computer and stream the game no problem that 100 gigabyte download is no longer a concern. Uh, Any other advantages you guys can think of? Or any thoughts on those ones I already listed? I think you sort of nailed a few ones that it's, it's, you know, you don't need it. As long as, and, and this is the flying caveat for those of us in our area, is if your internet is good enough, you can <laughs> play them remotely. Yes. And, yeah, and that's we... fine. And how can I say this? There are certain... I'm not totally against game streaming. Mm-hmm. I think it, you know, I think it's fine for a lot of things. Like you said, it can be great value if you're playing a, a ton of games, you know, and 
you don't want to have to download them and everything. You can just kind of stream them and, and pick and choose the ones you want to play, and, and then just a monthly monthly thing, and that and that's fine. And, and it, it, you know, I don't play a lot of games like that. I play games that I like have downloaded on my computer, and I can play. In, you know, even if our internet goes out or something, that are basically just TV and everything. So I like the idea of like having the game and my playthroughs like saved and everything where I can I can play them. Um, but I just, while you were talking, I thought of a comparison that just, um, I have Kindle Unlimited, which is essentially, I have a Kindle ebook, and I've had it, and for a long, long time, I didn't have Kindle Unlimited, I just bought books as I needed to. Now I have it, and I'll read books on Kindle Unlimited, and I can have, you know, ten at a time, and then I'll put one back and, and download, and download a new one. And it's essentially like a library. Like, like literally an old school library in, in a sense. If you, I mean, public libraries, you know, were free to access, but like, you know, it's essentially like a library where, you know, except it's, it's not, it's not, you know, free, it's not free, but you know, where you're going in, you have a book out and you give it back. So you don't actually have to own the, the book to read it and, and get the enjoyment out of it or, you know, and everything. And, you know, that's fine. We've had that model for a very, very long time. It's it's not in there. And, like, I have Kindle Unlimited now, and I have it because, this is a very stupid thing, sometimes I don't like a book. And if I bought it, I bought it. Now I'm stuck with it. Right. Okay? And if it's on Kindle Unlimited and I get partway through, I'm like, nope. Put it back. Get another one. Doesn't matter. All right, and so that, that's definitely another plus for streaming is that you kind of cut out the buyer's remorse. Ex- it, yeah, exactly. And it's like that for Kindle Unlimited. I read a lot of books. I get way more than my money. If I was buying all of the books I read, it would cost me way more than Kindle Unlimited does, does currently. And I, I do want to note that my favorite books, my absolute favorite series, I will buy the online edition. I'll buy it. Like, like I'll read it on Kindle Unlimited. Like, I like this series so much, I'm just going to buy them as they come out. I'm not going to get it on Kindle Unlimited. So I, you know, I have, a, I have a copy downloaded. And for my, like, crowning jewels of the books that I most enjoy, and there's, like, two, three series period that I do this for, I buy the actual hardcover books as they come out. I don't read them online. I want a physical copy because I enjoy them so much. Right. So, like, I was, I was trying to say is that, like, I understand why a streaming service could be really good. I just like having the option of, of actually, like, my favorite pieces I'm going to keep, you know, for, for myself. Which is maybe not totally logical, but that's just how I approach, say, reading books. Which is another form of, inter- form of entertainment that I consume in large quantities. Not so much at the moment. I've only been reading a little bit recently, which is strange for me. Probably if I'm going to go back on a reading kick and start reading, like, a Madman, another couple weeks. Alright. Dan, I want to move on to you. Can you think of any other positives uh, for the streaming service uh, kind of format? Let's see. We've covered uh, space on the computer. Yep. Storage Uh, space and value. And uh, lack of buyer's remorse. Lack of buyer's remorse, yes. But accessibility is another one, too, which comes with buyer's remorse because all these people are going we're going online and me and adam are out in the boondocks with you jeff once upon a time and we're all looking at them going 
how the hell are they going to play the game? <laughs> I mean, yeah, streaming services, apparently, I've heard what people say. They say, well, you don't even have to have good internet. It will just stream it to you, and you sort of uplink with it. So as long as you have a good connection, you know, you'll be fine. And, and, and oftentimes, I think it'll scale, like, uh, what your internet is able to handle, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, that's server-dependent, but... Yeah, server-dependent. It's also service-dependent, but... It's also user-dependent to a degree. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, the accessibility of it, um, I think that is another positive in that oftentimes you're very flexible with what platform you access it with. Mm -hmm. Um, With Xbox Game Pass, to wrap it around to that example, you can play those games on your Xbox, but you can also stream them on your PC. That's that seems pretty accessible to me. Most of us have devices like this, and you know, even those that don't, um, there is a bundle of Xbox Game Pass that allows you to use your cell phone to stream the game. That's an option too. Big accessibility there. I don't know if that's where you're going, Dan, but that's kind of where I took it. Mm. <laughs> Take it, Henry. No, not snoring this time. Ha ha ha. Nice. Uh, but is that what you meant, Dan, or did you mean something else? Well, if it can, if it can scale and handle different uh, peoples and strengths of internet, that would be great. But we always have to consider some of the craziest variables. What if someone doesn't have internet? What if yeah. they like to live out on their own, like Jeffrey once did in a... <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. In the middle of We're nowhere, talking with about the, the pros, Nintendo, Dan, not the as cons. happy as can be. <laughs> my my poor parents, they still have the um, uh, one kilobit per second download. That, but Sick. again, we'll we'll get to the negatives shortly. Not meg, not not megabit, ladies and gentlemen. Which you're like, oh, oh I'm sorry, it's one megabit per second. It is it is. No, 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 no. It, our internet. Once upon a time, when we were kids. I remember it because I would always try to download things <laughs> that dial up took. No, not dial up even. It was satellite. Just some of the early, it, it was, early it was satellite dial up. We did have dial up at one point a long, long time ago. That yeah. we, we we didn't even think downloading was possible when we had dial up. That's how bad uh, it was. Yeah, yeah I remember that. I tried to download a free like Microsoft PowerPoint uh, alternative at that point at <laughs> our house. <laughs> it, oh. No, at my house yeah. and. Oh. And it literally wouldn't finish downloading. It couldn't. Like, when I say we had dial-up, I mean, like, I don't think Amy remembers it. We were very, like, we were young, and, like, Mom had it for, like, email for, like, two or three different things. Like, it was just, it was... Yeah. Barely she had it for email. That's all she had it for. What about you, Henry? Can you think of any other positives to the streaming side? Uh, you guys mentioned the convenience of it. Just the ability to play it on like other platforms and stuff like that, which is nice. But that could also be a nice uh, thing for streaming, whereas you can buy like essentially like say a license for a game, and then if you have multiple devices that are able to run said such or the it would depend on how it is because if you can have like different devices that just connect to that specific server and run that application then it's like, all right, this is actually really nice. I can play it either on my couch, at my PC, on my phone. Um, That's definitely a plus for it. Um, 
the other thing that's really nice about having like a streaming service is that the hardware side of things is less demanding so consoles pcs all that stuff it really doesn't need to be upgraded every year it just needs to be able to connect to said server right essentially the game runs on the server itself if that's how it seems to be working right now right like little tommy can play a very demanding game with high with high fidelity in the graphics department and play it on his hundred dollar chromebook well, yeah, exactly. High fidelity in the graphics department would that require like a pretty monstrous uh, connection? We'll get to that. Because like it, that would be like, a, think about a YouTube. If you're video. streaming, then your connection isn't a variable here for a pro. Like purely, we're yeah. looking at the pros of it and if everything. If, yeah, yes. if we're looking at the pros, if you yeah, have the like, connection, yes. Say you have very, a gig connection, right. gig connection up and down. You have no fluctuations. It's fiber. You're good. No problems. Yes. Yeah, no. It's great. Well, that's it's fantastic. that's the situation we're we're picturing for for streaming to be like ideal with this. Yep. Um. So it's nice because it's like it's not demanding on uh, devices anymore. So your devices uh, don't have to be updated as frequently or anything like that. It's basically like a, a home module of like one type of thing that just connects up. It's like a remote desktop service for mm-hmm. Windows. You just connect into a server. The server has a whole PC right there. And you just do everything right there. And then you just close the connection and you're done. Like, and it's all saved right there on that server. Like yeah. for, for an example, just this is kind of a side note of why this type of thing can be useful. It is, um, that's, that's a little more, I guess, is um, at RIT, where I went to college. Um, there was some very expensive software that we needed for our major. But, of course, we're not going to buy software where the licenses are thousands of dollars a pop um, or more. What they had was they had this big old server in the basement of our building, and it had it all on them. And then you had your um, all right, your uh, account had special access to uh, link to remote desktop into this server it had ancient and knowledge Ooh, and use the, um, the programs there on smart so essentially that's what they do that's that's a, that's what it's sort of the same idea yeah that's yeah that's pretty much what streaming is but awesome. i like that huh? um the uh, um do you one last others? thing mm-hmm. go ahead yeah um in my mind i think it would be cheaper at a consumer level as well for streaming because then you don't have to spend that yearly new console hardware updates for pcs Mm -hmm. stuff like that instead you'll just have that monthly fee of the streaming cost and it's just another streaming service essentially and then that's all you pay for the monthly yearly whatever they decide on yeah yeah it's like it's the 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 nice thing is that like if something goes wrong, it's not on you to fix or replace. It is on them, where it's they're the ones that need to fix the server to get the connection up, blah, 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 all that shit. So basically, it's like an ease of mind thing, too. Yeah, that, that hmm. makes sense. Ease of mind for the end consumer. And I think yeah, that does so tie like- into the accessibility aspect of it, too. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we've gone over some pros, but... Even in mentioning the pros, we could not help ourselves from thinking of the cons. And I think that the primary concern... We're going to go into the cons now. I think the primary concern is internet. 
Access- yeah. Accessibility of use is the term. So like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. Yeah. High fidelity streaming takes a lot of data, a lot, <laughs> and there are some internet companies that one don't offer that high speeds like frontier for example in our area doesn't even come close to offering internet that can handle that um but other companies also have a data cap they might not tell you what it is but i think like uh one of the internet companies i heard of had like a two terabyte limit per month and if you hit that they'll start upcharging it but it's not like they tell you that because the average consumer isn't going to use that much data so game streaming can definitely conflict with that um and like i said internet speeds are definitely a problem you have to have good internet speeds good response time and all of that and that's something that i would venture to say is getting more commonplace but is still not in the in the sort of situation where it's mainstream yet like most people don't have well, I don't even know if I can say most people, but a lot of people don't have good enough internet for this. Um, a lot of us are that way. Uh, well, not a lot of us, but Adam right now uh, has, what, 5 megabits per second download? I have no clue what it is. And, Something and, and that's my, not... Go ahead. In my case, it's not even, like, 90% of the time, it works beautifully for everything I'm doing. Right, and then like you sneeze and it's gone. Sometimes it just decides that it's not gonna really work, and I would be unable to do stuff online or very much stuff online. It it just decides that it's it's overloaded, not working at that moment. Yep, and uh, Henry's internet has very inconsistent response time. On top of that, I I still hear I still hear the screams at night. I, re- I remember uh, I remember playing League of Legends with Henry and oh. oftentimes he'd be like, "Oh, 500 ping, let's go." And it's like like it's stupid too cuz like my internet it's it's the latency that's the problem cuz like right now I just did a speed test. I got 40 ping, 20 megs down, 10 megs up. Like that sounds like I should be able to pretty much play do anything, but it's like it's not a reliable speed and connection is the thing. Yeah. Until like infrastructure start to become more stable and reliable, then streaming's not really a viable source in the current situation. Unless you're like in a major city where internet's like a necessity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, even I would say even in some major cities, the internet can be patchy. Like some areas it's great, some areas it's terrible. I mean, for New York specifically, there's I don't know about other states, but like New York sucks because it's there's no competition for networking. It's mm-hmm. it's it's solely dominated by Spectrum. Yeah. And since They're Spectrum the has the grasp on it, they they basically control like, hey, my internet's out. Well, that kind of sucks. We got people looking at it. Who knows how long it's going to be? Instead of like, yeah, we'll have this up in like an hour. You'll be good. Sorry about the inconvenience, kind of thing. Yeah, like, a lack of a lack of competition really doesn't drive that fast response time from them. Yeah, because they're like, what are you going to do? Get rid of us and go with what? Satellite internet? Frontier. Like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. DSL. And yeah, it's, it's, it sucks too. But like slowly there's other companies, more like fiber-oriented companies, are making their way specifically into our state I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't know how it is with 
the rest of the country, so that's or a really hard. It could be different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's so it's hard, but like specifically, New York is dominated by one ISP, and it's like, damn, they have no competition or any like threats, so they're they've they've become very uh yeah stagnant relaxed yeah i, I was and it's, oh, sorry, go down. That, and that does bleed into the streaming side of things that uh, it's not a problem with the streaming service innately but it depends on that internet and that yeah. that is a problem yeah the point i was going to make basically alongside that is like kindle unlimited i download the book on internet and you can get like a kindle with 3g i've had it before and it's fine but like i download the whole book and I have it with me. I read it offline all the time. And then when I get to the next one, I, I so it's, it's not a, I don't need constant connection or anything like that for it. I just, I'm, I'm like borrowing the book temporarily so I can still read it when it's like, for, for example, just as a very bizarre example, say the internet blew up today, not really possible but you know like the internet what are the, what are the server the towers that just... i have checked out would be yeah. the 10 books that i i have like they wouldn't go anywhere it's interesting not, like that wouldn't apply though to the game streaming yeah, side you're literally playing it remotely yeah it's, it's a little it's a little different con concept and so if you are sure that your internet is up to it and you can get these amazing results you know that's you know great it's kind of like the idea of yeah library's great if you're you know in town but if you live a hundred mm-hmm. miles from the nearest library and you can only borrow you know you know it, you know it becomes it's not as nearly as a as a appealing because you can't you know it takes so long to change things uh, it's that idea that like is the connect if your connection's stable if the internet's good it's a really it's a kind of appealing in the sense that like if you are if you're going to like want to sample a whole bunch of games you know like like Henry has said like how he'll play games he'll play like yeah I'll play some of this then I'll play some of that when it, when you're starting to do stuff like that and you're, you're going to play all these different games maybe it's better to just have the streaming service where you can then kind of pick and choose what game you want in a given time play that game as long as the internet holds out the problem is you're paying money for a streaming service and if your internet connection which is a separate service that that you are paying for decides that it's going to shit the bed it invalidates this other service that you're paying for yes i uh yeah yeah let's go ahead and move on from that one uh the next negative i can think of is that and Henry already touched on this, but, you know, you truly own nothing with a streaming service. Not a single thing. Everything you're paying for is on a server somewhere that, you know, you don't own. And, like, you can think of Netflix, for example. Like, people don't have a problem with it because of the convenience factor. But if, but if uh, yeah, say... Going back to the gaming streaming, uh, Stadia, for example, um, no, any streaming service, really, uh, if they take a game off the platform, you no longer have access to it. Coming back to the example of my game, Yoshi's Story here, if Nintendo got rid of the eShop for good, never to be seen again, already done on the Wii, 
uh, the Wii U is approaching that, I still have the game. I can still play it. Not an option on streaming. That game is taken from the server. It's gone for good. So, hmm. if, if that was your... If you're finished at that point. I was going to yeah. say... I don't mind that in a streaming service where I'm paying for essentially this huge selection of games. And provided I'm not like... I'm getting it specifically for this game... Because there's no other way for me to get it, I don't like that. Like, if a game it ever becomes like you can only have it via the streaming service, not fan, not a fan. Yeah. Because, like, it's not fully accessible to everyone, just for the one thing. But also, just like, like, like I was saying with my book, sometimes I just buy the actual hard copy, paper copy, and find a way to squeeze it onto the bookshelf in my room, because I just love that game. Like, if there's some piece that you want to keep forever so you can play it again and again you, mm-hmm. you can't do that with a streaming service but if you're not using it for that if you're using it to play these different games and yeah i'm going to play it and then it's going to be gone you know six months later they're going to put out iteration four and it's going to be basically the same game tick up a number and i'll play that then you know and you you know, then the streaming service is fine. I'm, I'm more offended by games where essentially you're paying that $70 out of your pocket, here's the game, and then they basically, they basically just, like, the servers are, they shut down the servers because for some reason, or they, they like, you no longer can play that game that, that you bought. You know, you bought this game with the intention that you are you're going to keep it, you're going to play it for a long time, then all of a sudden you can't, That that's shitty. But a streaming service where it's like, I'm playing these games, oh, you took away the game, I'm like, ah, I'm canceling the streaming service. Like, mm-hmm. that, like, if, when it's like a monthly reoccurring cost, and if it's not too outrageous, of course, it's not, I'm fine with that, because you, if you don't like what's happening, if you can't get it, you just cancel it. It's when it's, I'm more offended when it's games where it's essentially where it's essentially that, but they're asking for all the money up front. And it's like, yeah. well, how about this? I'll pay you so much, like, I'll pay you in little installments over this over this time if I'm still playing the game, because you, if you take it away from me, I don't want to get the, like, like, am I going to get, it becomes like that thing, am I going to get enough enjoyment out of this purchase now, and it's going to disappear forever, or do I want to keep this, like, different ways of thinking about the game and if i say i guess the way i put it it offends me a lot more when it's like yeah here's this big upfront purchase cost but like as long as your internet can handle it and you know you don't like want to keep these games forever you're just playing them for like you know entertainment now Mm -hmm. um you know that's a you know it's it's fine you know that's a that's a perfectly you know, workable. I guess it depends on what your expectations are. Like, if all games became a streaming service, like, and you wanted to play this new release, or, you know, you wanted to play the next Zelda, you had to buy Nintendo's, you had to be paying Nintendo per month for the streaming service, yeah, I'd start to be pretty cranky about stuff like that. Yeah. Because that's um, not how I treat those, that sort of, that sort of thing. Any, uh, any other negatives you guys can think of, Dan, Henry? About just streaming. Well, we've co- we've probably covered the most. Uh, I would say prominent issues for us. 
issues mm-hmm. that when we think about, we're like, yeah, no, that's an issue. What about you, Han? Hmm. I guess not really. I mean, you can run into issues like server maintenance and shit like that where, hey, you can't access this game on this day and it's like my only day off. It's like, well, this kind of blows now. Yeah. You know, that might be something you could run into with the streaming service. Um, if Another thing could be an issue is uh, depending on where they house the servers could be a natural disaster that could take it out, lose network connection, miscellaneous shit like that, and then you don't mm. have access to such things. True. Just network loss, connectivity. Once again, it falls back on the internet. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, that uh, could even impact, like, your player-specific data, like your your save files or your experience like if that's stored on a single server somewhere what happens if that server goes up in smoke i would say yes but typically if you have data like that you have it backed up in a separate location for server backups and stuff like that all right so if if they can accommodate for that yeah something something that could be a problem something that could be a problem though is uh vulnerability for that if somebody's able to get into said servers with all of your information, depending on... Because somehow they have to validate you being the user onto that server. And if someone's able to get to that specific location with all of those users' information, that is a huge data breach that yeah. literally would probably kill the streaming industry. Because there's no way you'd ever be able to recover that information. Because you'd point. have to have credit card information in some form or fashion because your people are paying a monthly service for it. And I see that specifically being a problem if Sony ever uh, introduced a full-on streaming service. Like, we've seen their uh, their whole kind of thing. Like, they've been hacked a few times over the years. I've gotten... Yes. Have leaked out, like, people's uh, payment information and all that. Like, that's a big one. Security is a big... A, a big issue. Well, not an issue, but a potential one for streaming. Yeah. Well... Streaming's especially bad because it depends on where they store that information. Because it could just be a specific like um, key logger kind of thing. You are the specific user. You just sign in with that and you're good. And they might save that information somewhere else way more secure and everything. Which is the right way to do yeah. it. But who knows? Somebody could get lax in doing a quick, cheap uh, streaming service. Because if it becomes mainstream, then there's competition for different streamers, streaming uh, businesses. And then you have different games and everything like they have with the media streaming now with like Netflix, Hulu and that. And it's just competition in that manner. And if somebody becomes lax in their security in that, then big data breach. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That'd be interesting to see. All right. Well, we've uh, we've covered a few of the pros and a few of the cons. There are likely some that we missed, but something I want to zero in on here. The main question that was asked at the beginning of this topic are streaming services the future for gaming? Adam brought up that if it was the only option to play games, he's not into it, and I concur. Uh, but if you're using it as a supplement, I have no problem with it. However, is streaming going to be the main way to consume the game in the future? Is that where this gaming industry is heading? And obviously, we can't know. We're not soothsayers, but... What do we think? Do we see that as a likely possibility? I personally yeah. do. Absolutely. But 
it requires a better infrastructure for networking before that happens, and who knows how long that'll be. That's really the big thing. Yeah, like if 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 that sort of heavy infrastructure for data transfer becomes ubiquitous, I could see it being a thing. Uh, but a a thing for like. I want to say the big AAA, uh, titley type things because I think there's a lot of um, you know, niche developers and stuff that will continue to like just make, uh, you know, like little like you know, games that you download and have on your computer and play. Right like, here's I, 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 like. Do I think that eventually, like, the AAA titles will get so egregiously huge and outrageous that it's, like, beyond the capacity of home, you know, platforms to maintain, possibly? In which case, it becomes, like, the only option for certain games, and, you know... It's sort of like right now, if a game is released on VR... And, like, it's an amazing mm-hmm. game, and I wanted to play it, I'd be like, well, I can't play it. I don't have VR. Like, I see if I could go to my brother's house, he has a VR setup. But, like, <laughs> it's, like if I just don't have the ability to, like, you know, it, it would be like wanting to watch a, a TV series before TV was out this far. It's just, it's, you know. Yeah. It, you just uh, sort of, you know, get upset and shrug your shoulders over it. it I, I think it would most upset us because... Like, if it became an issue, like, well, we can't stream out here. It just, it doesn't work. And now some, like, series of games that we really enjoy and want to play the next one in or, or play more of this series, this type of game, becomes purely streaming, or purely from that service, and we just can't use it. That would be very upsetting, like, like to us. You know, but as the future of gaming, I think if, I think it will be a major addition in gaming, and I think it it will be like a a major secondary way to to play games for a long time. But I don't know if it will ever completely supplant the current model, because you would have to have internet to make it work, and and sometimes you're just going to be offline, and it's a thing. Well, I mean, with the advancements in the mobile networks, uh, I I see that like it, it's a distant future thing for sure. But I see like I see devices constantly connected, and that's a long ways down the line. But that will no longer be an, a big issue at that point. Yeah, like, like uh... I I get it. Like you, the internet in, is a big uh, is a big obstacle right now. And yeah, yeah so it probably saying, won't happen yeah, for a it, while. It can be the 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 future of just just for example, um, and this example doesn't quite correlate, but what I was talking about, like Kindle Unlimited, Kindle Unlimited is not the only way to buy books. In fact, there are a lot of books that that aren't on it that are you have to buy them. You download them, you have to buy them and download them as a Kindle book, you know. And most now have e-editions, you know, as well. And, um, you know, and most you can still buy in at least paperback, if not, you know, release hardcovers anymore. 
Um, but, you know, no book on Amazon that I have seen is exclusively through Kindle Unlimited. Like, maybe if there's, like, prime releases where, like, you can get it a month ahead of time. If you're like part of Prime or or Kindle Unlimited, you can you can you can read the book a month before its actual like release. Um, that might be a thing, but like there's nothing there's no book that they won't let you just pay for and download that book. For now, yeah. well, I mean, for the books, that's a different thing. But it for is gaming. because books are are a, a much smaller. Uh, right. Um, I'm talking about different things because like. Yeah, but for gaming, like, I I can see that happening. Um, like, sure, like, it doesn't have to be through Xbox Game Pass, for example, but say Amazon's game streaming service also offers the game. Um, Mm -hmm. you can get it in multiple places, but it's all streaming format. That's, that's kind of what I see happening. Yeah, like, like, I, I can see that happening, but like, if they can stream it, to you how hard is it to let you download and play off your own machine provided your machine can do it like are they going to say no you can't spend money and do that for this game specifically that feels like they could do it but it would be like shooting themselves in the foot like yeah not, like it would that's cost, a good point like it would like the streaming services might like you to do that because then they you know, as a streaming service, that's what you'll use, but, like, you know, the game developers, the people making the games, unless they're being held at gunpoint by the streaming service, will be like, sure, you can buy our game and download it, like, we're not gonna say, like, you know... Yeah. Like, so, like, that that's the contrast there. The streaming services would like, and so, like, if all your big game developers and everyone who's making games, which given the sheer number of companies is, is quite, you know, I find this kind of unlikely, become giant streaming services as well. And then all of a sudden they just want to convert everything they have to, to pure streaming service. And that's how they're going to hook you in is they're going to make it all just a streaming service, you know, and everything. And they're all, yeah, that I, I could see becoming a thing, but then you, you and then you can't download it anymore because they want you on the streaming service. Yeah. But like then there will always, but then there are companies that aren't going to be doing the streaming service, and so yeah, it, we'll see where it goes. And yes, like the biggest reason I see it drifting that way is games have become just frankly ridiculously enormous in some cases, and yeah, so just there's... just sheer hard drive space becomes starts to become a bit of an issue. It's Especially not only for... that, but as you touched on earlier, like the performance is largely dependent on your hardware that you're running it on. With the uh, with game consoles, it's a lot more simple, but with PCs. Like, you have to know that your computer will run it. Ye old minimum requirements. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Dan? What are, what are your thoughts? Well, if you want to talk about uh, streaming services and monthly subscriptions, a really fun thing we should throw around is season passes. Games with season passes where you pay for that month. If you play enough of that game during that month, you'll get all the rewards. If not, I don't like it. If not, too bad. No, I what, hate it. What do you well, mean by a lot all the rewards? Of, a lot of people hate it. Well, 
Let's go like, to Fortnite. Is that like a replacement for DLC and updates? No, that's literally just how to get additional cosmetics, bonuses in games, how to get your full breadth and experience out of it. A lot of PvP does this. Fortnite does this. They have a monthly subscription. You pay for the month. MTG Arena does this. You pay for a subscription, you get onto sort of a bonus list for that season, where if you've played it enough, you'll get a huge chunk of rewards. If not, too bad. I'm not sure if it's a... I'm pretty sure it's like a, a seasonal thing. For Fortnite, well, I, I know MTG it's... MTG Arena, it's a... It's a, like... Is, is it a lifetime? It's like a four-month cycle for a mastery set class. Okay. Four months. For four months. So for four months, you have to play the game well, to an excess... Here, here's the thing. Like, I, I don't know how it works with some of these others, but on, like, on, like MTG Arena, you, you go up levels on this mastery pass, and you get stuff for free, and then there's, like, a second column for if you buy the mastery passes, all this extra stuff you'll get. But it it remembers what level you are. If you get to the end of three months and you're like, wow, I've got basically this whole thing, Mastery Pass is now worth it because it's going to give you everything that you earned up to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it's, it, like that's how I treat it. Like, I have bought the Mastery Pass once. That's because during Throne of Eldraine, I played till I was, I didn't get to the top, but I was like 90% of the way through it and all the stuff they gave me for and and I should say that this, that like paid for it. I didn't actually spend money. I just saved up. I just played the game enough to save up enough crystals on MTG Arena. You you get gold for daily rewards. Then you can go into to comp, like certain competitions can be entered with gold, but they reward crystals or what you that's what you normally buy with money. And then I spent all those crystals I stored up on it to unlock the set reward. Right. So I didn't actually spend money on that that model. It, Mm-hmm. Um, which is, right. which is um, but that essentially is, you, you Dan, I, even... I, hang on uh dan i want you to wrap that around to the streaming format how does that how does that relate? well to well for this extent if someone buys on the streaming format pays for set number of months because there's no physical object there's no oh you bought streaming here here is your box of streaming <laughs> here is streaming <laughs> here is streaming yes and so it's gonna be a subscription fee Yes. So now, what if something happens, okay? And for two weeks, the person was in the hospital or the person had to work overtime. It's completely unexpected. That is, they essentially paid for only one week. They paid a month's worth for one week. And there's that sort of, this comes down to the battle of, do you like track phones or do you like... um. Uh, easy talk. Not for fuck for. Anyway, you you're going for like talk. a you're going for like a uh uh pay as you go kind of plan versus a you're paying monthly every month in order to have a service. Exactly, and the complications of that of the two different for That's the one interesting model. for the one where you pay as you know you pay for a lot amount of time and then you play it. For people that don't play games very much, that'll look insanely appetizing where they're like, I play for one day, for like one day a week. I only put in like five hours. So having the stream service where, you know, it's 40 a month is more than plenty. You know, I can, 
You see what I'm saying? And then it can, you know, it could like bowl so, over. Uh, a streaming service that you, like Henry was saying, you pay for it as you go rather than pay for a monthly fee and right, whatever you use, you use. Because I'll, yeah. Which would be beneficial for some situations. you to Google Stadia then? That is, is a... Google Stadia is another uh, streaming service, and you've probably heard lots of bad things about it. It's not very good. Mm-hmm. And it's for... It's partially because of that pay-as-you-go scheme, except it's done kind of the wrong way. Instead of okay. streaming the game and paying a fee for it, you buy the game. You pay the $60 for the game, See, and then you can stream it. That's the model I, I really hate. Like, I detest you, that model. Because essentially you're 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 buying the game, but you're not buying the game. You're just like buying access to it on there. To, that, yeah, that to come back pretty, to something Henry it, said, you're buying ugh. the license to it, which you're already doing. Now, here's a thought. For streaming, would you guys be more okay with doing it like the Netflix approach, yes. where you pay the monthly subscription, and then whatever games they have on their servers available at that time, you get to play without having to purchase them? Yes. And right. then, like, a big model they could do is, like, this month we're releasing this AAA title for a couple months to play, and after that rotates to another AAA title. Yeah, I would be totally fine with something like that. Like, I don't mm. like the idea of a streaming service where it's like, I'm buying the game... But it's actually on some phantom server that I have no control over. It's just there. Like, so I have, like, that, that idea. Like, but if it's, like, I'm paying $30 a month to access this library of games. Like Netflix, I'm paying whatever a month to have access to this library of of shows. And I get to watch them, you know, with no commercials, too, which is where, the, where money traditionally would come from. And I get to watch them on my schedule. Yeah, Ooh. I'm fine with that. Uh-oh. Now, here's a thought. Okay. How about advertisements with a streaming service for video games? <laughs> oh, they don't oh, need any more money. That. God, not yeah. if I'm you, paying for Could it. you imagine? Could you imagine you pay an extra $5 to get rid of ads from your games every hour you have to watch a 30-second video kind of bullshit oh, thing? You want, if you pay a cheaper price. Do you know what's That's the thing they can end up doing. That's the problem. No, no. But that's not even a problem. That's a thing. A lot of Mobile games. Well, when you yeah, pay for well, them, mobile games are different because well, you, you don't play. pay anything. Exactly, yeah. that's the thing. You but don't pay for not? them, so they have to make they have to generate revenue somehow. Any games that we've seen that aren't free to play on mobile tend to flop because people don't want to pay that ten dollars for a mobile game, and then they don't have any recurring revenue, which is the the main kind of revenue stream for mobile games there's a recurring revenue that comes from that anyway i'm sorry we're getting off topic henry you mentioned a netflix style approach to the to the streaming service and adam seems on board with that what was your i mean what was the alternative i mean the alternative is like um so say i purchased crash bandicoot 4 right i log into my stream service that i have put in the product key and then it unlocks the game for me on that server and then I can just play right away. So a Google That's Stadia it. approach. I mean, w- when you said pay as you, pay as you go model, I was thinking like you pay for the your, pay for your use. Yeah, yeah. not pay like for use. you pay for a specific game that it's on the server and if it you know, it's up you know, but more like, you know, you have this like you play on this server and then they charge you, you know, a dollar an hour every month. 
for yeah for what you paid. That would be like a pay-as-you-go phone plan. That yeah, that's what I I envisioned like, too. And, and that's where we that's where I, we were I starting. Would, I'm surprised they didn't like create that model because I you know, but you know I, you know if you're playing it a lot, a flat monthly subscription then becomes your better option. Like if you're on the phone all the time, you're texting all over the place, you're using a ton of data because you know you need to check your work emails on the subway into work or something, and, you, and you know, so you're using your data. Or listening to podcasts where there's no Wi-Fi or yeah, something if, like if that. If you have like all these different things you're doing with your phone, it's just cheaper to just pay every month for you know you know unlimited essentially, just like yeah, I'm gonna use this instead of um you know, like, just paying as you go, because that adds up really, really fast. So, like, that's what I meant is pay as you go. Like, I really don't like the model where, like, you're buying a game, but you don't own it. Like, if it was cheaper, or, you know, maybe, but, like, where, like, the lifetime of your ability to play the game is then entirely dependent on the lifetime of the streaming service. Yeah. Where, like, mm-hmm. I have discs of games that are ancient now. They're They're like from the early 2000s and I've popped them in periodically to play them because I have them on physical media and I have a disk drive like and mm-hmm. my computer can, can, can you know play them because they're you know it, you know that sort of thing where it's like you know I, I like having the you know I have this game I downloaded it X many years ago and, and it you know it's still here I can still play it you know it, it's yeah now, another thing that I'm kind of curious about with streaming is with a casual versus competitive standpoint, mm. like Ooh. pro gamers, mm-hmm. like how well will that work out? Because then it becomes how far are you from the server that is hosting your game that you were playing? I think in that case, the question becomes what type of, like when we talk pro, what are we talking pro? That mean like pro players who are paying for what? Real time, Adam, real time, not turn based. We're not talking, we're talking esports, right? Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I, are... I know we're talking real time, Daniel. But I'm saying, like, are we talking pro, like someone who plays it all the time and goes to then tournaments to can you know that has some sort of tournament bracket they compete for money? I'm on? talking like, because, like like League of Legends kind of people, okay? Because like essentially they're close to being almost like they're. They have They're very close servers. to being almost like a streaming thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very close because realistically, all the only difference is, is that we have a physical client that has all the information, but they could just log into another computer so far away and it runs it as like as it is right now. But I'm curious, like casually, you don't really care about ping. You're just playing multiplayer to play multiplayer. <clears throat> but when like big money's on the line, how do you hold like? when you have like those types of competitions like say worlds for leagues do they have like a dedicated server they have, that's going they have to a be tournament right server on... that's in the building with them they have literally zero ping so for that are they going to do that with every game then that is like that spectrum that level of uh seriousness i'd, yeah, say, mo- they'd, most, I'd say they'd have to to have any most sort of like, those, uh... like the actual like esports where there's actually like you know casters that are analyzing it and there's like an actual like significant crowd like there's actual money involved yeah there will be a tournament server is what they call it like a server room in the building that or not maybe not in the building but like next door or something that is like like right just 
for example, for League of Legends esports, they have not only does there a tournament server that has literally zero ping, and most um of the competitive scenes, I can't say all, have a tournament server that's that's like it's usually the same one, but it's just for scrims. So their scrims are on much lower ping than like it's not like they're playing flex like they're like do they're like making a they're not like in like the general league server making a um you know a custom game with for these teams to play. There's actually like a separate dedicated server yeah. that the pro teams scrim that the each game other on, and it's just the pro setup. teams yeah. scrimming each yeah. other that has like and it has like and usually they're all in the same city or very close to it. And they have super low ping to this one small special server because it doesn't need to be huge because it's just you know. So on I the mean, with on that, the, do you think? Sorry, Jeff, go ahead. So on the competitive side, the only thing I see being different if the games are being streamed is that the load of the game is taken off of the individual player's machine and put onto the server. Well, yeah, so in terms like of, there's yeah. there's no big change so if they you, are if they have a dedicated server, it's no different it wouldn't be any different than it already is. Well, well that's the thing. Like I don't understand what, why I was asking what kind of esports cuz like when it comes to like playing like on a stage like you know in Riot Studios in Los Angeles or at the LEC studio in Berlin, the players aren't even on their own computers. They bring a keyboard and a mouse and they plug it into the computers and display monitors that are there yeah. to, to play the game and they log into their account that is specifically on the tournament server you know, you know, for this thing. They do play on the tournament server on their their computers from from, you know, their team houses to scrim each other as well but that's but, reliant on their internet then right and that is well, yeah, on their machines the tournament server, it's a special tournament realm that they have that is, that is like super that is lower not necessarily it has lower ping it doesn't necessarily have like super low ping but like for the actual on stage tournaments that's why like you'll see clips from professional play and you're like dear god that leeson is insane like how did you do that well, like, there are Lee Sim players, like, you'll, you'll watch a professional player play, and they're on, like, 20, 30 ping, and they're like, if I was on zero ping, he would have died there, I wouldn't have, because the kick, I would have started the kick animation a split second sooner, and that would have been enough, like. So, is that esports uh, situation what you're describing, Henry, or something different? Yeah. So... No, that's, it would be, like, that kind of thing. Um, something that I thought of while Adam was talking is that, um, mm-hmm. The, the like, um, I forget what they call them. The, the, like, player houses that they go to. Team houses, where they yeah. all The team houses. I think team houses would be more common, more popular even, or easier to do. Because you would just have, like, a, like say, um, Raspberry Pi type of computer mm-hmm. for each of the players. And they plug whatever into them. And then they could just start stream playing and uh, communicating with each other a lot easier and faster than having these... Um, not maybe not high end, but like medium to high end ranged PCs um, for cost and everything, as opposed to just like a monthly subscription kind of thing. So getting like, I, I think it'd be easier for like competitive teams to even like start up to to get into the, the gaming. Yeah, scene yeah that's, uh, that's the actually game, a huge like, positive. League of Legends runs buttery smooth on my antique, you know, my eight year old laptop, like. League of Legends is sort of a bad example there, but yeah, if there was a game that had like a huge load on it, then that might be a thing where like, yeah, I just want to stream this like 
you know, this game to these PCs so I don't have to, like, buy, like, you know, five really high-end, you know, five, probably more, five-plus high-end PCs to... Yeah, like... Yeah, that's a that's a really good thought, though, Henry. I, I didn't think of that. Um, and so with more comp- competition, it'd uh, make gaming more popular and stuff like that, which is always nice in general, because then they have more of the uh, audience's eye and more sponsors, more money, and more support. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we're at the two and a half hour mark, guys. Uh, so I want to <laughs> I want to wrap up this topic. Obviously, we have a lot more to think about. Uh, I encourage you fellas to take some notes and any thoughts that you want to carry over to another discussion, like keep it in the back pocket because I do want to come back to this. Um, but yeah, those are some of our off the cuff thoughts about what we think of streaming in general. So, so I think we're going to put a pin in that next week. We'll bring streaming back up. And like, yeah, let's do that. Bit. Let's do that. Um, cause we're, yeah, this is getting long. So, questions. all right. Uh, so we uh, we have some viewer Q and A questions. Uh, we've got two of them this week. Uh, the this first one's going to be kind of quick. The second one might be a little longer. But uh, Ross from uh, my streams. Hi Ross, how are you doing? Uh, Ross asks, "What's your favorite Pokemon?" And for me, that's going to be a non-applicable. Sphinx. Sphinx. I think he evolves into. Does he evolve into a Luxray? Yeah, he evolves into a Luxray. Love Sphinx, mainly because I played Diamond. Got it all the way to the end of the game with just him. Because he could handle... He could do quite a bit, being electric and dark type, by the end of his evolution chain. And just... Mwah, I loved him. I, I literally beat a game with a level 80 version of him. That was the only Pokemon I had. Everything else just collect-a-thon. All right. Anyone else? Adam? You have an answer there, Ham? Um, go with Articuno. I like that Pokemon. I mean, it's kind of hard. That's a, that's a difficult question for me. But I go with uh, Alex Sam. Ooh, classic. Yeah. All right, and Abra, again, Abra like, Alakazam. I love that. That's Abra's it, the first phase in today. Yeah, I know. And Alakazam. earlier, I said non applicable for me because I don't play Pokemon, so I really don't have a favorite. I, I'm not so bad to the point where I see a Pikachu and think, "Hey, it's Pokemon," but <laughs> but I have no sense of like what Pokemon is better, what one I would like best. I've got absolutely no sense of Jeffrey. It, so if I can I mean, find it, I, I have me. a lot of ones I really like. Like I like the the Mew versus Mewtwo. Like like there's a lot of stories I like about them. But in terms of like when I was playing like a lot of a game, when I was playing like the older games and everything one of the first pokemon i would hunt for and they were always such a to catch because they had that they could try and teleport they had to teleport teleport. was abra's i always wanted an abra like i wanted the lowest level abra possible because (laughs) well no because as you level them up their stats get you get better stats than if they're Wild, like if you catch a high level one in the wild, its stats will be lower than one you've trained from like a super low level. And that was like the psychic Pokemon you could get at a super low level. And if I could max like their special attack, special defense on the Al- Alakazam, and then get access to their super tier 
psychic spells late game and they had access to recover as well. I could I could just like one shot my way through half the elite four. Uh, memories. Yeah. So these are much older games that you know now. But... All right. So next question, Jeff. What is it? The, n- the next question comes from Retro Dude. This one's going to be kind of hard to answer. I'm going to read you a direct quote of what the question was, and we're going to have to tailor it a little bit so that we can answer it in kind of short form. But RetroDude asks us, where do you see the video game landscape in 50 years' time with Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft? Oh, so easy. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow this down. Narrow it? Specifically, Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, not the game series and ge- not the gaming industry in general, not like what's the what do we see for these three companies? Where are they going to be in 50 years? Probably. Well, I see that right now all they're doing is improving slight specs. So within 50, if 50 years, that's a lot of time. 50 years, it is. They're going to get gimmicks. They're going to get gimmicks and they're going to go straight down an avenue. Otherwise, they're just going to sort of die to other companies are going to become more technologically advanced. Because as of right now, PlayStation 2 going to PlayStation 3, going to PlayStation 648.9, there's, oh, good, you got a spec upgrade. Well, the PCs, the PC kids are just doing that all the time. (laughs) It's not really doing anything. So they're probably going to go down different avenues. My guess, Xbox is, I'm guessing, going to go down a competitive route. Somehow they're going to latch on to something competitive and they're going to try to expand it. PlayStation's got probably the best footing in VR, so they might try to go down the virtual. At least an entry-level VR, yeah. Yeah, they're probably going to pool their marbles together and go down that route to distinguish themselves from the other companies. And Nintendo... God bless those people. Those people are smoking the peace pipe all day long. They're just going to look down different avenues of creativity and probably they're going to come up with something weird, but it works. I yeah, don't know I'm, what I'm it gonna is. Piggyback on, I'm going to piggyback <laughs> on Dan's thought. I don't see Microsoft going down the competitive route as much as you think they will. Like They're the ones that are like spearheading the transition to streaming. Uh, so mm, that, Okay. I, and they're very much focused on consumer friendliness right now. I see them trying to push what we think of, like, the game format. Like, they're trying to get away from the physical kind of side of it and expanding how we play video games. Uh, so, honestly, I think that they... I don't think they'll be in the console space in 50 years. I almost doubt that any company will be in the console space in 50 years. I, but I, I think in Microsoft's case. In Microsoft's case, I think that they're going to be providing games as a service more than anything. Mm. Oh, and this is in the stipulation that these companies exist in 50 years. Like, Sony Computer Entertainment may be out of the gaming race by that time. Microsoft Entertainment, maybe they'll be out of the gaming race. Nintendo, who knows? But assuming that they'll all be around in 50 years, I think Microsoft's going to continue pushing for the gaming as a service. Sony... Like Dan said, they've got a very good foothold in the gaming market right now. They know what gamers... Well, we think they know what gamers want for the most part. Um, well, it's always been... Xbox are the specialists in multiplayer. PlayStation's always been specialists in single player. That's how see, the we're, two... We're seeing that flip-flop, though. Like, Well, not flip-flop, but... You know, Sony's gotten better at multiplayer, and 
Microsoft's not getting any better at single player, as far as we can tell. I think Sony, if they still exist by then, I think they'll still be top dog. Like, I don't see them going anywhere. And Nintendo... At, at a console standpoint, right? From a console standpoint, yeah. Um, If consoles exist at that point, which I kind of doubt that they will. Um, In the traditional sense that we think of them as a box under our TV... I yes. don't think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. Let, let, yeah. I don't think that consoles like that will exist, and, and, and even in the capacity of the Nintendo Switch, like I don't even know if that's going to be a thing. Personal devices might. Uh, if streaming takes off and is the future of video games, like I suppose that they are, I don't see traditional consoles being a thing. And anyway, Microsoft games as a service. Sony still top dog in gaming. I think they'll still be the all around better better choice and nintendo you can't predict nintendo man like they'll probably be making <laughs> gaming shoes by that point i don't know i mean so technically they're Henry, looking into that do research you, do you have a, so yes do you have a that's a vr team? what are your thoughts um, henry realistically i kind of hope that they do still have consoles and they are still big name companies uh for gaming side because Competition is very healthy, as we have stated earlier, especially in the ISP market, because if uh, one of them becomes very dominant, then they're going to become very lax and lazy with their business models, because who's going to compete against them? So they're just going to run tyrant with whatever it is that they decide to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So ideally, I hope all three stick around and they're still a thing. Even at a console standpoint, I think it's healthy because some people just don't want a PC. They just don't want that. They want something convenient to plug into their uh, TV, play whatever it is they want to play, get a bunch of friends over, plug their controllers in, and have at it where you can't really do that with a PC. You know? Yeah. I mean, some games you might be able to now. Just bring a, a whole bunch of USB ports. But like, if you have like <laughs> a laptop or a smaller type of like a desktop uh, PC, you won't be able to do that as easily. So it's mm-hmm. less of a, a local play kind of thing. Uh, for that so hopefully they're still in it that's that's what my hope is in that what do you think adam what do you think what do you see for these three companies in 50 years okay i'm gonna take a sort of more out there take just for looking forward to this one it's not that out there so you know how the virtual boy was like hot shit on a griddle yep and now there are halfway decent VR things. It was really just much too, like, the idea was good. The, the capabilities of the hardware and the limitations of the time, not so good. Yeah. They were way ahead of their time and they paid the price for it. Yeah, now we're, we're at that point. Yeah, they were way ahead of the time and it was just bad. Mm-hmm. Think about stuff like Google Glass. You remember that? Yeah. The little augmented reality thing that was like on, it was like, if you look at the glasses, eh, so you could just, so you could right. just like display stuff on your glasses, you know. Like some so things. funny, though. <laughs> but like, th- th- imagine that's the virtual boy. Like, in 50 years, that, like, everyone just has a pair of glasses that, you know, or just VR headsets. Is their cell phone, at, like, they have like a little, like, pack in a pocket or something. And all the information just whips across their vision. It's like augmented reality all the time. It can overlay like you you look at like you don't even 
like, this is a very extreme example, and I kind of doubt it would happen. But, like, you go into the supermarket, they don't even bother putting, like, the prices on the shelves. You just look in it, like, in a little display, and your eye pops up and, like, puts what the price is currently on it, you know, like, for, like, you know, especially, like, daily changing prices, you know, for, like, market fresh stuff, you know. You know, or, or, like, you, you don't even have to label that stuff because it just, it has, like, a little tag in it, and it paint in your, in your, your onboard system pins it, and you look at it. And so then, Do you see like, that for uh, gaming applications? Well, so like mobile gaming, sure, that would then be your mobile gaming. You just, you know, sit there on a park bench staring off and, and you'd just be staring at your glasses and it would just be <laughs> playing the game for you and you'd be doing that. You know, oh, and if your portable stuff is powerful enough, you're sitting there, your hands are just sort of moving as like gloves with like tactile responses and it's like to tell what your hands are doing. And you're just sitting there like this your hands moving in the air and you're playing, you know, uh, the fifth remake of Spyro or something. See, uh, just Adam, sitting there on a park now, bench. Now that you've now that you've and, brought up that future, I want <coughs> to see that happen just because I want to walk into the park someday, see so, somebody like on the bench, just sitting there looking off into space, and all of a sudden, no, <laughs> their hands are just moving. <laughs> I, just, I want to see that. And so, like, if we then take that up a step, like, in your house, like, do you need, like, TV, you know, maybe you have, like, a display, but, like, you just have some central computer that run that's, like, in your house, you know, and everything, and that does everything. It streams the games out of it and everything. It can project them right to your glasses, you know, or, you know, it runs, like, a VR head, like, you have, like, a, instead of just the augmented reality overlay, you have, like, a full-ass VR headset. That's, like, your console is, like, the huge ass interface for like a real immersive vr setup you got going on or or you know for real extreme some crazy pod you climb into where it's like true full immersion vr you know like and that's your like sword art online yeah that's your console then and like all other electronic interaction like your you know laptop your cell phone your computer your tablet your phone they're all just like a little pack in your pocket and they just send information to your you know to like an on uh, an augmented reality display and then you have See, like a gloves or something to interact with it or like something on your wrist that you tap like and that's your like everything and then your console might be like some super immersive vr on the high end but most games that you would play in the sense that we play games now are just all through an uh, some augmented reality setup and so they're asking about the companies then you know depends on if like technology comes out and it's patented, but generally Microsoft and Sony at least are not just game companies. Like, yes, we all think of when we say Microsoft. Yeah, like Sony, Sony also makes game, cameras, TVs, like, and Microsoft technology. Makes, Microsoft spearheads Windows. Yeah, they make Windows and all that. I don't want to say junk. All the stuff that comes with Windows <laughs> is Microsoft. And so the gaming, like, if the you know maybe they lose their gaming division. You know, that's a thing that happens. But, like, Sony and Microsoft make other things anyway. And so, like, if the hardware changes, like, I think the hardware and software changes, they'd be in a decent place to, like, catch that wave as it comes along and jump on board. You know? Mm -hmm. So I think they'll still be around, and their gaming divisions will probably still be around. But, like, will consoles, as we understand them, like, even still be a thing? Or they'll just be, like, a little like supercomputer black box like in your cellar somewhere that routes you know every sort of you know digital thing you need throughout the rest of your house like your phone little you know like 
we don't like it could be very bizarre so like you know so that's, you know, I look out, forward that's, to... that's the out there sci-fi take there you go i i like that sci-fi take as an engineer and someone who cares about technology that's yeah, a, that's an exciting little, thought you know you have some little super cool quantum computer tucked in your basement next to your furnace that you know polarizes your windows and controls the ac in the furnace and you know does all that crap in your house and you know and just like runs your whole house for you you know and that's your that would you know then why would you need a gaming console you've got some little supercomputer doing all the work in your basement or can just stream it directly to it and you know stuff like that so that's where we think that these so three companies the will be take. there you go just for some so that's where we think these three companies will be in 50 years i before we move on um yeah, i want to say where do we think we'll be in 50 years <laughs> dead i honestly could <laughs> that's not unreasonable like we're uh, we're in our mid-20s 70. like that'd be 70 years yeah, old like there's a, there's a good chance that that i'll probably dead. i'll probably still be playing wii sports in a nursing home situation <laughs> <laughs> no just, let's get be all, honest. just get us all together when for wii boy, sports we had bowling. this thing called the wii yeah, pretty much. That's where I see myself in 50 years. Shut up, Dad. I'm trying well, to battle space pirates well, no, through my gloves and goggles. I'll probably still be here in my house, but, like, I, I'm not... I'm probably just gonna be, like, in the past for video games. That's just my Wii U! Oh, God. With that voice? Yes! <laughs> we, I think we should put you out of your misery. The guy's my pudding! Oh! Jeremiah has to come along every weekend to wheel you out for, like, Sunday breakfast or something from the retirement home. Come on, Dad, like... Dad, stop like, telling the story! We play the Wii U. We know, Dad, you know... We know, <laughs> like, Ninten we know Nintendo that you hacked your console... 15 years ago... Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, that's that's where we're gonna wrap Remember the Q and A up. <coughs> Ross, retro dude, thank you for Remember your question. Remember when Yoshi got outsourced to Mortal Kombat? I still have the nightmares. <laughs> Remember when they added the Walking Dead characters to oh, Smash Bros? Oh gosh, when the thing sneaked into the baseball bat. I remember when they first oh. added Goku to Smash Bros. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, um, but that, that wraps oh. up the that wraps up the Q and A, gentlemen. Ross, Retro Dude, thank you for your questions. And if any other viewers want to uh, ask us any questions, we'll get to them in the next episode. Feel free to put your thoughts in the comments below or in our Discord server. Uh. Yeah, we look forward to hearing from you guys. But guys, that that wraps up our very much longer than I thought it would be episode two of <laughs> the Gaming Corner podcast. Topics. You know what yeah, happened? No, uh, I didn't we didn't fall even finish any of our topics. That's true. Um, <laughs> but all right, we've reached the end of this podcast. So, Daniel, you have a Twitch channel. Where can these lovely people find you at? Uh, at Twitch Twitch. Nailed it. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Twitch.tv slash DanceWarrior777. What do you do Yo. over there? Um, I play games. I typically analyze them to a degree. I might actually play. I might go to my Twitch channel after this. Uh, Well, after this uh, recording session. Recording. <laughs> brain, brain was like, after the podcast, everyone's just looking it's at my channel. <laughs> it won't come out till probably tomorrow. Monday, probably. Monday, Monday yeah. yeah. 
think I have a dentist appointment by then. Yeah, you really won't be able to see me then. But no, I come out, I typically play games, I talk about what makes them work, what makes them tick. I typically try to do games either that I enjoy playing that I can talk about or games that are interesting, have unique mechanics, have done well. Lately, I've been playing this the Dreamscaper game, which has a very interesting roguelike roguelike fighting format in which you are working through this person's dreams through their uh, pains through their joys and oh my gosh some of the weapons you have you have like cloud I think you have cloud sword as a weapon but then you have a yo-yo as a weapon where you can just you can just smack people with it uh, gauntlets okay, yes. he plays all yes. sorts of games <clears throat> over on, yes. his, on his twitch channel Yep, people can find you over at twitch.tv slash dancewarrior777. And of course, Jeff, too, has a Twitch channel, the Yoshi Fanatic. That's um, correct, although I'm not streaming on my Twitch channel at the moment. Just uh, on I'm, YouTube under I'm the exclusively Yoshi streaming to my YouTube channel, the Yoshi Fanatic. Okay. Uh, I'm also working on a video coming up. Uh, I'm not sure when it's going to come out. Still got a lot of work to do on it, but it's comparing Yoshi's Woolly World and Yoshi's Crafted World. Um, the question I will be answering is, is Yoshi's Woolly World really better than Yoshi's Crafted World? Look forward to that one, guys. And of course, I live stream every Saturday, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Come chat with me. It'll be a good time. Yep. Uh, what about Adam, Henry? Uh, I don't think anything's changed from last time, but if you want to direct someone somewhere, go for it. No. I think we're good. Um, I was going to say, so these podcasts are going to be available in, uh, a video form, essentially it's just the podcast on Volatile Upgrade YouTube channel, and in audio on iTunes, Spotify, wherever we can get it up, and you search for the Gaming Corner podcast there. That's correct, and we haven't uploaded those yet, but we're looking into it, and uh, yeah, like Adam said, search for the Gaming Corner podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever we can upload it. Um, but we'll keep you guys updated on that. In the meantime, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time here on the Gaming Corner Podcast. All right, see you later, everybody. Ta-ta for now. Later, nerds.